Tune in to the Neil Prendeville Show weekdays from 9 a.m. on Cork's Red FM. Hi, it's Killian here. Weeknights from 10 with new music, some flashbacks, and a bit of chit chat as well. That's the late shift with me, Killian, on Cork's Red FM. I know it's important to be optimistic and put the best foot forward, and they are optimistic about maybe, uh, you know, Pfizer coming to the rescue. Uh, Pfizer on the prize is a frontliner making uh, the sun this morning. 545 extra doses on the way. Um, all that's going to do is kind of try and plug a gap with regards to Astra and plug another gap with regards to Johnson & Johnson, but at least we're getting over half a million extra. So it's a bit of a windfall in the papers talk of it today. Pfizer's dose, to dose jab boost will keep Ireland on track to hit targets of administering one dose to 80% of the adult population in Ireland by the end of June. A politician is saying that, so beware. It's the teacher who's saying that. They're opening the portal today, uh, and every day between now and Sunday, the portal will be open for different age groups. It will be decreasing year by year, 69s to 65. So the papers talk of that today. I also have some phone numbers that I'll give out later on. You can book your uh, booking, you can book your job online. And if you're not online, not everybody is, there's also a phone number. So I'll get that stuff and I'll get it on the air. So there are more bumps on the way. Um, there was a fear that we weren't going to make the 80% goal fear, but they're saying the supply chain is back on track now, according to the Mirror today. The EU saves our jabs rollout. Um, Apparently, Michal Martin found it difficult to contain himself at some sort of a cabinet meeting yesterday when the news broke. Um, and then all of the papers break down. The, actually, there's also the Russian jab. Um, Putin is offering um, an awful lot of the Sputnik jab, if approved. So that will be, a, before you know it, will be a wash with, with vaccines. So the sooner, the better. The, the, what, what has always interested me is the, what they call the efficacy, the um, you know, how much protection you get from the, the different vaccines. And to be absolutely honest with you, I mean, Johnson & Johnson is nothing to write home about anyway with a 66% efficacy. Like, that's just a little bit over half, um, you know, the potency that you would want in something like that should be closer to 100%. Like, say, for instance, the Pfizer one. It's great to get a half a million extra to that. That's 95% efficacy rate. Moderna's 94 uh, the Astra is nothing to write home about either, 76. But the Johnson & Johnson at 66. I mean, if you were getting it, I'm quite sure that the Johnson & Johnson is the one that you wouldn't want. Anyway, all of the countries that are listed with regards to quarantine make the papers today. Like the Mail not only has a colour um, uh, graphic, it also has uh, kind of lighty highlights for different countries and different parts of the world that will have to go into quarantine if they come here. Uh, the upside to all of this is that if you're coming into Ireland from any of those countries or anywhere else and you've been vaccinated and you can prove it, you won't have to quarantine. So they're desperately scrambling now to get more um, to get more uh, hotels to take in the amount of people that will be coming into the country. Um, but there's been a huge decrease in people coming into Ireland year on year. It's one of the reasons, actually, that Cork Airport is saying that they... Um, are closing the airport in September. That makes the papers as well. I'll come back to that later on. The examiner call all of this, you know, um, the fact that we've got these Pfizer boosts, they call it a slam dunk. With regards to what? Well, with regards to easing rules uh, by May 4th. So we're expecting more uh, relaxations on the 4th of May. The Dubai 2 continue uh, to be um, uh, covered in the newspapers with, as I say again, with photographs. Uh, they are now relaxing at home with their with their children. I know I mentioned yesterday uh, that uh, other people who also were acting the clown, and I'm not even saying that they were, 
for whatever reasons they went out there. But the amount of tension they got, I thought, was very much unfair, considering that I never saw any photographs of anybody who took the vaccine home to their families. I never saw any photographs of the teachers who took the vaccine when they were uh, offered and given the vaccine by the Coombe Hospital. None of their photographs made any of the newspapers, but I know I go on about that. There is a, there's a court case. I'm not going to say much about it now because it has been adjourned, but it's a court case involving two bartenders at the Harp Bar. Now, they deny any alleged breach of COVID restrictions. The case against them now been put back until May 18th. It relates to uh, an alleged incident at the Harp Bar in Paula Duff uh, in July of last year. So I won't say any more about it for now because there's not much to say apart from the fact that it's been put back for a hearing in May. But alarmingly, Ireland's relationship with alcohol makes uh, the papers today because there is a report out on it. Uh, Alcohol-related issues are broken down in all of the newspapers. The examiner's got a fantastic graphic this morning on it. I'll come back to it later on this morning because there's way too much information to digest, but a relationship with alcohol is not a healthy one. And in spite of the pubs being closed last year, um, alcohol consumption only fell by 6.5% by a minuscule amount, which meant that home drinking must have increased and then some. They say that in 2019, uh, and like this is an average Irish person, so if, if it's not you, that's fine. But when you look at all of the population and you work out alcohol consumption versus the amount of people, they say that um, uh, on average, Irish people aged 15 years and over drank the equivalent of 40 bottles of vodka in 2019 are 113 bottles of wine. They also drill into the amount of underage drinking with over 80% of school children, 8 in 10, saying they had their first drink by the age of 17 and a lot much younger. They also break down the amount of alcohol-related hospital admissions and discharges um, in the year. They break down the amount of deaths. They also talk about um, kids in the home uh, reporting um, their parent, one or the other, Huge amount of parents, I think it's like something like one in three parents reporting to be a binge drinker. Uh, but I, I'll come back to it later because there's a lot more stats than that making the papers. I have to tell you with regards to our relationship with alcohol. Meanwhile, in the UK, the brewers are freaking out, according to the Times UK, because they're saying we have a, they're a nanny state in the UK. I don't know whether it's the same here. Do we have a, a calorie count on beer? I know we have a percentage of alcohol on beer but I don't know whether we have a calorie count on beer or not but the brewers are freaking saying there is no need for that kind of nonsense anyway Cork Airport is going to close for 10 weeks we knew that the Irish Travel Agents Association are freaking out about it a more on the program a little later on that and Besborough and those behind um, the uh, um, the organisation known as Cork Survivors and Supporters of Besborough they are 100% convinced and they will not be changed they are 100% convinced that there are many hundreds of children buried in the grounds of Besbred they do not believe that they should be disinterred or moved because it's their resting place for maybe up to 60 years there were 923 children born uh, in Besbred who died in infancy or early childhood and most of their burial places are unknown but there are those that believe that the burial place is within the grounds of Besborough. Um, so I will come back to this later on, hopefully this morning, um, because I have some interesting stats regarding that when you compare it to, uh, you know, when you look at the, the entire country, for instance, um, you know, there was, I know we know issues with Toome, and there was shocking reports yesterday of uh, babies, and I know it's early in the morning to be talking about this, 
but uh, things are not going very well with regards to the site at Toome. Let me just put it like that. And the babies and their remains. Papers also to take, talk today uh, of... Um, uh, Dear Malakwela, who was up before uh, Owen uh, Kelleher, the judge yesterday, um, he was up regarding uh, a charge because of the, the issue involving um, uh, Imagina to do with uh, pr- the protests and what have you. But he didn't have a mask on. He was in court yesterday and the judge pointed it out to Judge Owen Kelleher um, and uh, the judge said to him, put on a mask. And Dear Malakwela, Oskwelga, refused to put on a mask. So Olin Kelleher adjourned the case. He says, you go away now and get a medical report as to why you're not wearing a mask. Um, and when you come back in, um, if you don't have any of that, uh, you'll be put into custody uh, if you don't. Uh, that's the story that makes the papers today. Uh, maybe Dear Malakwela might be free for a call, see if he's going to get that medical cert. We'll find out. Very disturbing. I spoke about this in the past. This is the case of a guy who broke into the home of an 83-year-old woman, ended up shining a torch uh, in her bedroom. Uh, he announced to her that he was a Garda looking for burglars. Well, he was jailed for six years uh, yesterday, not just for that, but for a spree of other um, uh, crimes, I suppose. Um, it's a lengthy court case report from Liam Healan in The Echo today. But what you need to know is that this was an 83-year-old woman in Windmill Road who was cocooning at the time as part of the national lockdown, who woke up to find two men carrying what she described as lamps, in her bedroom, they said there were members of Angarda Shikona uh, looking for burglars. She's inside in bed now. They woke her, an 83-year-old woman. They asked her where she kept her money. She said she was in fear at the time. She had two and a half grand in cash, which was taken. And she said 200 euro that she had in a confirmation card for her grandson. Isn't it despicable? Isn't it really and truly despicable? A further 80 euro was also taken before the two intruders left her house. It was estimated they were in there for about four minutes. They were arrested 12 hours later and one of the characters gets um, gets jailed for it and rightly so. Papers also talk today and this is just on a light-hearted note. Um, Do you ever see people who are out? Um, I mean, it's bad enough people texting while they're driving, right? Or phones stuck up to their ear while they're driving. But do you ever see the phone zombies that are texting while walking? It's any wonder they don't bump into people. They probably do or fall off footpaths or bump into lampposts. Because they're texting while walking. Phone zombies, if you like. Now, apparently, Google have invented an app which warns the phone zombies that they're about to bump into another person or a lamppost. Because your head's down on the screen, right? And you're walking along. I mean, God, I might look up and look around you and see the beautiful world you live in. Um, Anyway, uh, apparently, you will get a message saying, look up. You will get a message on your screen saying, stay focused or watch out or be careful. Maybe they should have an Irish equivalent. FFS. Cop on. The Neil Prenderville Show. How can I tell you? Lines are open at one 850 You can text 868 I suppose it's a blessing that they're walking at all. Uh, here's one for you from Lorraine. I've had to tone down the language a bit. She says, this came in yesterday, so it would have been from the day before's program. I was listening to the show yesterday. And I heard you saying well done to a woman who lost nearly five stone after having a gastric bypass for losing weight. Well done, you said. Well done for what? How can someone say well done to someone else for choosing the lazy option and going for surgery? I see so many of these women now getting a gastric sleeve or a bypass to lose weight. Sure, they're the new slimming tablets. I just can't comprehend how they can post online about their weight loss and wait for the comments from people to say, well done, you look amazing. Such hard work. Hard work? 
gastric sleeve. Hard work is getting up off your ass and exercising to lose weight every day. Hard work is watching what you eat. Hard work is getting up at 7 o'clock before the kids breakfast and going to the gym. All the professors and doctors in the world will tell you to lose weight, eat less and move more. They have every excuse in the book for those who choose the lazy option and just get surgery. Why couldn't they just lose weight? Well, they could start by just stop eating absolute rubbish. You'd never see them eating a salad, would you? Or pounding the roads to shed the pounds? Nah. Hop off on a plane to Turkey. Take the lazy option to get rid of the fat. And before anyone starts, I myself was 20 stone. I'm now 12 stone. It took me four years to lose it. Hard work does pay off. My advice, get off your lazy asses and start moving, says Lorraine. Your opinion, you're entitled to it. Somebody else has 19 grand, because that's what it costs to get it done in Ireland, 19 grand to get a bypass or a gastric sleeve. It's their money. They can do whatever they want with it. Text 0868104106. Back after the break. Text the Neil Prenderville Show now. 0868104106. Red FM. This public portal opens today. It's open now. It starts for four 69-year-olds and then tomorrow 68, Sunday 60s and so on and so forth down to 65. And you can register and book your jab from today. You can do it online via the HSC Live um, online, www or whatever the case may be, you can just Google it and get online. Or if you're not online, you can call one eight fifty twenty four one eight fifty one eight fifty twenty four one eight fifty. That's the online public portal to register for COVID nineteen vaccines. Opens today, starting with those age sixty nine, and moves down year by year by year to the age of sixty five. So it's good to be accentuating these kind of positive stories. You know, little by little, we're getting there step at a time, and more and more people are getting out and about, which is great. Seamus Whelan gets an opportunity to visit all sorts of different wonderful places where people are getting a bit of fresh air all week long. Can I just mention because yesterday he was down in Clon and Inchidani, and with that in mind, I just want to give a shout out. I got a text in. The this morning saying, Neil, would you please mention our new business? It's called Ocean Brew. It's a coffee truck down in Inchidunny, West Cork. We'll make sure to look after you if you ever wander down to us. But we've been at it a while now, building it slowly. But we're launching on Saturday and we're absolutely buzzing. And that text came in from Thomas Clancy and Brian Downey. So good luck to you lads. Congratulations. All good to go for Saturday. Anybody from Saturday heading down to Inchidunny, check out Ocean Brew, new business. Uh, and it opens on Saturday. And good luck to everyone concerned. So let's have a listen to where he was. Also, another uh, one of our sunshine songs this morning for you following this. So the day trip to Clonakilty and Inchidani yesterday, talking with locals and tourists and everybody who stopped by to say hello. Have an aged. You know, if things got back to some kind of normality, Clonakilty would have a great year. And they deserve it. They're talking about bars and restaurants and those type of things. But I, I tell them to, you know, take it easy. They wouldn't want to open up all of a sudden at all, you know. It'd be my opinion anyway. I sure it's most, you know, you'd like to see local shops open because, like, local businesses and the pubs and everything have struggled the most. But we understand too, like that. Oh, yeah. You know, they have oh, to. Oh, you can't. Everything can't they open. They do what they everything have. Everything can't go straight away. I think the government should pay for a holiday for us all. You know, they can pay for hotels for fellas coming in from foreign countries. They can give it to the people that's living here, too. And where would you stay? Up over a public house, you know, me, Brian. 
that's too funny for me now with the guy dance with you. If you go go for a point, do you know a couple of days a week is all you want. Just look at the kill tea there. All the lovely shops is there and they can't open the door like So they're gonna do like today now with that place with the seats out there and they always say we have like seven beaches within seven k's of Tanakilty. We've got the, you know, Inchidani and we've got the Warren, you know, and we've got Dunwarley. And even going down to Court Mac for a walk and even coming to Clan and walking around the town centre and seeing what's in the shop windows, you know, just a bit of a, a change of scene and a change of pace, you know, I think it's really important for people. And you own your own business here as well, yeah? Yeah, I own a Riche um, cafe and I own Ansugon Seafood Bar and Restaurant. So we're just doing takeaway from there at the moment. There's lots of places doing takeaway in Clan, the Quality Hotel are doing takeaway, Inchidani are doing takeaway, um, I know Frayne Hill do um, afternoon tea packages, so they'll all come in and vice versa, people will travel to Bandon and Kinsale again and you know, you'll know you go out and you'll maybe rediscover West Cork, like Inish Bay Gardens are open now, West along I know, you know, so they'll yeah, people rediscover their own area I think, which is good as well. We love to see, like, say somewhere where we can go in and have a bite of food, we're not worried about the pubs, I'm not anyway, we can go in, sit down, we can have a bite of food and it's lovely to be able to go in and sit down in the hotel and have a cup of tea there like we as always do isn't and it? Have and have the shops open and have the shops and the hairdressers and the hairdressers they did everything yes. right from day one they did they, they did and the church and, and the church and the church and the right? church no mess yes you know no ceremonies it's important it is important of course it is we've been lucky that we've had like Inchidani on our doorstep so I suppose it hasn't been as difficult for us um, but it's just it's just lovely to go to another town like just to visit the local towns like Skibbereen or Kinsale that's just lovely because we're used to doing that but sure, at least you have the, the great coffee here as yeah. well, don't you? <laughs> we have the Silver Surfer, yeah, so it's wonderful. My name is Eileen Shepard. I'm from the Inchidani Island Lodging Spa. I'm the guest services manager here at Inchidani. We opened the Surfer in, um, in May of last year and it's been a huge success since then. We do fabulous pastries, pizzas, um, bagels in the morning. And then, of course, you have all the surfers below. We have a fabulous surf school here, which is hugely popular. And people certainly surfed the five, you know, while they were in the 5K. But it'll obviously get busier from now on. Like I saw a woman out pretty early this morning plunging into the water. Is yeah. that the normal here? That's become huge in lockdown. The amount of people who are wild swimming um, every day. I was down here Paddy's Day now and they were going in in their 20s and 30s. It's just, it's just amazing. Uh, we've been very lucky anyone who lives in Clannacilty um, were able to get out here during the 5k but it's not just about Clannacilty it's about the whole area and on Monday morning when it lifted we had thankfully a queue at the truck from early morning the car parks were full so people were definitely getting down here getting onto the beach and I was walking it myself yesterday and I met loads of people from Cork and Bandon all thrilled to be out That isn't it? Quality Irish. The walls and the bright and shining sun are a sunshine song. For today, the day that's in it, actually there's a line in that where they're going about uh, mooching around the sunshine drinking carajillos and that, I hadn't a clue what carajillo was first time I heard that song. So I had to Google it. It's a hot coffee drink to which you add hard liquor. It'd have to have hard liquor in it. It's typical of Spain and lots of Latino countries uh, where it's usually made with brandy. But you're going to, instead of brandy, you can put in rum, whiskey, you got to add sugar, lemon, 
cinnamon and aniseed. Hasn't coffee become fierce technical all the same, though? I mean, I mean, it's the, it's the big ticket item these days, isn't it? Coffee and coffee types, and it's a growth industry. And great that it is. And Seamus, before that, down Clon and Inchidonyway. Actually, talking about uh, beach activity, I hope you get a time to give a shout-out to the good Samaritan who was so kind to me last Monday. Myself, my 10-year-old daughter, and our puppy took a spin to Fountainstown, Fountaina, just because we could. Uh, and on the way home, we broke down at the dangerous crossroads on the back road from Carrigaline to Donnybrook. We were at a very awkward spot, and it had just started to lash rain. I was truly humbled by the number of people who paused to ask if they could help us or give us a lift. But one man in particular was amazing. I was so flustered, says Neave, that I can't remember all his details, but I think he said his name was Michael O'Sullivan, and he drove a dark car. It could have been a BMW or an Audi, not sure. Uh, Anyway, he pulled in and tried to start the car for me, advised me uh, what to do, and gave us his red SuperValue golf umbrella. He really went the extra mile to help, and I'm so grateful. In a time of COVID, when we're all afraid of getting sick and are aware of social distancing, it's heartening to know that in the times of trouble, there's kindness and goodness around. I really hope that he's listening to your show, and here's my thank you. Tell him to get in touch if he wants me to give him back his umbrella. Anyway, pulled in, uh, tried to start the car. He advised me what to do. I'm not so sure from your email, did you ever get going or did you ever take off or what happened next? Equally equally astonished that a BMW driver stopped. <laughs> but nonetheless, well done to Michael O'Sullivan and uh, and you too, Nia, for getting in touch. Hope you enjoyed the day, even in spite of the breakdown. Lines open one eight fifty one zero four one zero six. Text oh eight six eight one zero four one zero six. Lots to do. Let's get into phone calls this morning and blast ahead. Patrick, good morning. Good morning, Neil. That's an incredible story. Um, uh, you were prompted to call yesterday because we had a caller on the air yesterday talking about uh, lots of different issues involving clotting, right? And this isn't yes. this isn't COVID related, nor vac- vaccine related. But no. just tell us the, the story regarding yourself, um, your your wife, and 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 that issue regarding um, a dream, wasn't it? Yes, there. Um, well, what happened was there is that uh, my partner, well, my wife actually, we had a baby there on the thirties of. December. Um, so uh, he came along, great, and I went there. So about four or five weeks later, my parents started complaining there about a, a shoulder pain uh, that evening. Uh, by There was a roughly there about six o'clock there, and roughly there by 11, 12 o'clock there, actually there she let her uh, scream out to me there that she couldn't breathe. Uh, frightened me, to be honest, but I actually didn't know what to do, actually. there. Uh, so just give her a couple of tablets there to see if she could ease the pain there and she went down to the she had a dream that that well that night actually there my sister who actually died of a blood clot there at age 40 came to her in a dream so um, your late sister who died of a blood clot came to your wife in a dream the night before is it yes correct okay uh, and just uh, what's called there because she'd never come to her in a dream before actually there so we went she went down to the doctors and uh Straight up into the. What did the, does she recall the dream and was there any conversation in it? Did you recall the dream? Any conversation? Um, no, she just it just uh, Rebecca just arrived at the door. Actually, they were just in the dream, you know, and that was it. Really, they were to see the new baby, I suppose, and to see her. Like, but she just prompted her to go to the doctors, and she had a blood clot. Actually, there to be honest with you. Very lucky, very, very lucky, to be honest. And do you think, and does your wife think, that your late sister's intervention in the dream was a message to get yourself checked out, something's about to happen? Without a shadow of a doubt. Without a shadow of a doubt, you believe Without that? Without a shadow of a doubt. Or 
as you know yourself there I've been on to there a few times actually there I'm the person there who was stage 4 who had a baby there on the COVID-19 miracle baby that's right, that's right, that's right. so yes I definitely believe my sister there came in and warned us definitely without a shadow of a doubt absolutely so she got to A&E pronto was it? Yeah, we got to A&E there, and to be honest, Neil, there, we were there for 20 hours, my wife was there for. 20 hours in A&E in a pod. And do you think she got a COVID test? No. So the following day, I had to wait another two hours there for her to get a COVID test there, so she was negative there, so I could bring her there to Maher Private Hospital to get her sorted out. And what happened in the 20 hour? what month was this? This was only February. Just gone, February. Just, just gone. gone. Just what in the twenty hours that she was in the A and E was she just was she treated or seen or triaged? No, she was she was just seen once there, and she was put into a pod, and that was really it there, like you know. And only for the nurse there at about three or four o'clock in the morning, felt sorry for her because she was absolutely white with pain at the that the, that the nurse got her a pod actually there because she was sitting on a chair or something that was absolutely absolutely disgraceful to be honest. Twenty hours, I couldn't believe it. Absolutely could not believe it. Not even a COVID test. And then I'd wait another hour, two hours there to get a COVID test so we could bring her to the Matter Hospital there. So And was it was it that it was just very, very busy in February on the day you were in there? No. No, it wasn't busy at all. Was no. there many people in pods? There, there was a, was there many people in pods? There was a few people there, but five or six, but Honest to goodness, there, I just couldn't believe it. Twenty hours. But there was five or six in the A and E, but you were twenty hours waiting. Now, that was that was a bad bad time in the CUH with regards to COVID admissions and ICU numbers. Except well, that, yeah. As far as far as she could see, there in any there, there was only six people there, and she went twenty hours there, and we got up to the matter hospital, and uh, she was in for five days, and she's on blood thinners now for the next six months. And it turned out that she had a clot. Yes. That, that went to the lung, is it? Yes, correct. There, that, that was the shortness of breath she had there. She couldn't breathe there. It travelled into her lung. And could that have been fatal, do you think? Oh, yes, definitely. Without a shadow of a doubt, yes. Yeah, definitely. My that God. Could there, that could have travelled there to the heart or just block off one of the arteries, you know. And that'll be it then, in the story. Exact same thing to happen to my sister, to be honest. Did the same, exact same thing? Exact same thing. Their blood clot there travelled and into her heart there and she died in her sleep. And so, in your wife's oh, dream, your sister arrived at the door of the house. She arrived at the door of the only house. Only hours yeah. before your own wife got a clot. Correct. That's bizarre, isn't it? And and how are you managing, Patrick? I, I know that you're. You won't mind me saying it's stage four yeah. cancer, but how are you coping with that? I'm not too bad. Yeah, yeah. And I'm, I'm, I'm still waiting for my vaccine. To be honest with you, so I'll be hopefully there. I, I should be getting it soon enough. I'd say there, but we're doing well actually. There, he's healthy. There, he's. He's definitely keeping us on our toes, and I to be honest with you. Little cold, isn't it? Correct. <laughs> <laughs> he's absolutely there. He's definitely if he's not ready there, he'll definitely let you know. Uh, right. <laughs> well, get yourself fit and healthy again, so you can have a long life rearing him. All right. I'll definitely try and anyway, Neil. Absolutely Lovely talking to you, Patrick. Look after yourself. And thank you very much, sir. I very much appreciate it. Cheers, my man. Back after the break. Text 0868-104-106. Talk to Neil Printerville now. 1851-04106. Red FM. We were just chatting there recently during the week about uh, maybe diving in a bit more into the places that you miss with regards to your local pub um, and uh, your favourite bar person. It could be a barman, bar lady, bar woman, whatever the case may be. Came across a great Twitter pic- picture, actually, of one Pucker Willa, which is the pub in Ballon Roastig. 
uh, and Mick the barman there. He's always got a smile on his face um, and it's the local there. And the photograph and the colours inside in this uh, country pub is just amazing. It's like a pick and mix box of colours in there. All sorts of different types of furniture, including wicker seating with the most beautifully beautiful plump cushions on them. Armchairs, stools, beautiful wooden flooring. I imagine the walls are full of all sorts of different memorabilia from the area of Ballinroastig. It's a gorgeous, gorgeous photograph. The Puck, it's called in Puckerbulla in Ballinroastig. Out and out, the best local pub and always a, always service with a smile from Mick the Barman. I'd love to get more of those uh, texts and uh, also emails or maybe even photographs as well of the bar or the bar person that you missed because there's some great characters out there you can be sure of it Dean's a bit of a character isn't he just back from Tenerife can you ask the man who came back from Spain how much his PCR test in Spain was so we went back and checked with him and he told Brenda 90 euro for a legit one 40 euro for a forged one now, Dean never mentioned anything to me when I was chatting with him about forged PCR tests. I didn't even know that you could get a forged PCR test or that it would pass. Not that it even matters anyway, because when he came back into Dublin Airport, nobody checked at all. And on weight, I've always been a size 8 to 10, but over lockdown, I gained weight and now I'm a size 12. And I've been told by family I'm overweight and I've been told by family that I look chubby. When has anyone ever been called, called fat? At size 12, everybody's body type is different. I stop listening. I feel more confident and beautiful now than I ever had. Well, you're happy with your body size. So go for it. You're grand. Uh, you know, it's all about you. But keep yourself healthy and keep exercising and endeavor to, you know, everyone can have treats. For God's sake, we all do. But try and eat healthy as well, at least from time to time. This is to do with, um, you know, whether or not people should be told that they are fat or the use of the word fat. The lady you spoke to about the word fat is also agrophobic, she told you. Agrophobic people tend to be very sensitive by nature. And I can fully understand her being upset when the doctor used the fat word to her. It is a mental issue and he should have been aware of this. I'm agrophobic myself, so I felt sorry for her uh, doing her best under the present circumstances. There are no self-help groups for us now with COVID. When I was diagnosed with it over 30 years ago, there was no help whatsoever. We now have cognitive behavioral therapy and other stuff. I got a period of relief from it sometime where I managed to go out to places when restrictions were lifted. Going out now with lockdown even adds to the stress even more. I think myself, I got it from stress first day. I've lived with it for almost half my life, agoraphobia. People don't understand what it's like. I will go to the shop, but it is not easy. I haven't gone on a holiday in years and years. Agoraphobia to me is fear. My own description of it is that it's like the root of a tree. It spreads all throughout your life. And that by email to Neil at uh, redfm.ie. And thank you to one of the residents of Valentine Villas, which is... Um, uh, an area not too far from the Loch nor Loch View. Tracy got in touch saying, I live in Valentine Villas. I know that they're putting up a gate on the laneway up from Loch View. All of the people drinking at the Loch were equally coming up our road, going to the toilet behind our cars. So it's just not the lane at Loch View. Just because the gates are going up on Loch View, it won't stop them. They'll just do it more on our road, says Tracy. And she sent me a photograph that I imagine she took from her uh, back window of a bedroom and it's a guy um, having a pee up against the wall of the lane and it, the photograph actually almost kind of looks as if he's having a pee inside in your garden itself so thank you for that email to neil at redfm.ie uh, there's lots then on issues that we've been dealing with over the past couple of days and 
a lot of people a lot of people flabbergasted at my my sums <laughs> how I could make out the yesterday or today actually more likely it's today to be honest the 100th anniversary of the sinking of the Titanic <laughs> text after text I know 109 years not 100 just a slip of the tongue give me a break <laughs> Mary good morning Good morning, Neil. Okay. Um, with regards to the rollout, the portal opens today. Uh, have you been vaccinated yet? No, I haven't been. I'm in the age group of 60 to 69, and I'm extremely concerned about the AstraZeneca. Okay, well, now today you can call a number. I know uh, I can call a number, but there's no point calling the number because I can't get the information that I require. And what do you require? Well, first of all, um, uh, our age group are asked to take the extra risk of, uh, of blood clots. I simply, uh, uh, no other group has been asked this. We'll be denied Pfizer and Moderna, which, don't, which uh, don't have the history of blood clots. I have asked the HSE, I've asked several TDs, could they get this information from me? The number of blood uh, clots uh, that, uh, that people suffered in the age group from 60 to 69. They don't give out that information. Well, they said something to me about patient confidentiality, but I was saying, but we don't want their names. We just want to know the age groups. We know that there are 18 blood clots issues in Irish hospitals um, regarding yeah. AstraZeneca, 18. So right. that's weird because we were told it would be something between four and ten in a million. So Yeah, so that's more of it. You know, they're, they're certainly not inspiring confidence. Like Johnson & Johnson were up front in the USA, they came straight out, they said they had seven million, um, seven million were vaccinated, um, seven people uh, uh, got uh, clots, uh, one died, and all were under the age of 50. That's simple information. That's the information I'm looking for. You can't have confidence when they're withholding information. And this data protection or whatever else they're going on about, that's total rubbish. They're withholding information. But chances are, if you register on the portal, aren't the chances that you'll get Pfizer and no, not AstraZeneca? No, our age group are not going to be offered Pfizer or Moderna. We're only being offered um, AstraZeneca. And as far as I know, somebody told me that Leo Varadkar was on this morning. If you refuse it, you'll go to the bottom of the line. Until every other single person is vaccinated, you won't get another vaccination until then. Like, that's, that's threatening people of our age group. And you're not willing to follow the science that says that your age group will not have an issue with clotting? It, it, they haven't said that. No, they did not ah, say no, that. Ah, no, I mean, I read no, that numerous no, times. They it's said our, no, they said that our risk is reduced. They didn't say you wouldn't get it. Um, the, a six-year-old um, uh, lady in Denmark um, uh, died of one of these clots, and Denmark had discontinued AstraZeneca since, as well as that. But Mary, um, the risk is absolutely minuscule. It doesn't matter if you're the person. If you're the person, why should we have to carry this extra risk? Because no, they say no, that the clotting nobody, is... Nobody else has been asked to carry this risk, only our age group. Nobody else. And we are being denied the other, the other vaccines. Like that is, uh, like that's discrimination. And, and you're saying the Varadkar said this morning, because I didn't hear that. I don't have evidence I of that. Either, but okay, I, no, I'll I, find I, out. He said, if you don't take it and you're in the age group where you can only get Astra, you go to the bottom of the list. Yeah, that means you'll be the last. Yeah, that means that everybody else is vaccinated. That's what he's saying. And, and he's denying us, uh, uh, he's denying us effects unless we take this risk. And tell you that, uh, uh, there are no, uh, if there are no clots between the ages of 60 or 69, come out and give us the data. Information is powerful. Once they start withholding information, people are going to lose confidence in the vaccine. So, 
Do you think that there are many like you in your age cohort? Oh, there's an awful lot. Like, I have consulted an awful lot of people in my, and they're all extremely nervous of it. And they're all very annoyed as well how we've been treated. Extremely annoyed. And as well as that, it only gives 10%, uh, uh, it's only 10% effective uh, on the uh, South African variant. So if that took a hold here, it's no use to us. South Africa have actually discontinued AstraZeneca because, it, um, uh, because it's no use to them with their variant. So uh, it, like, it's less effective on the other variants as well. I'll dig out that information again. I had it earlier on this morning, but I have so much paperwork. I have a breakdown of the um, different variants and how the different vaccines cope with the different variants. But you seem to be across it as well. You just yeah. mentioned there about Astra. Um, but, but, but it's effective against the UK variant, but lower against mild to moderate illnesses from South African variants. Yeah, but South Africa. But the same. That's it. yeah. But but um, that's the same with Moderna. Um, Mind you, the Pfizer one is very effective against both the UK and the South African variant. So that's the one you would want. Yeah, we're being denied that, yeah. And I think as you get older, immune system, you know, you, it doesn't respond to vaccines as well as a younger person. So, I, our, um, so I'm saying our... Um, um, uh, uh, that, uh, I'm saying if we got the South African variant, like we wouldn't have a hope. Why aren't more people talking about the fact that they say that um, the chances of a clot with AstraZeneca is between 4 and 10 people in every million. We vaccinated less than a million and 18 people are in hospital with clots. Yeah, well, this is it. Withholding information is not helpful. So what are you going to do? I don't know what I'm going to do. Like, I think the politicians have to address this. They can't just throw us under a bus like this. You know, uh, they can't insist that a certain group and uh, uh, discriminate a certain group saying you won't be vaccinated until uh, unless um, you take an extra risk. Yeah, apparently Leo did say that this morning on Morning yeah, Ireland. He did say it, yeah. Yeah, but... Yeah, but, he need, and yeah, he needs to be more upfront. I think the cheek of him to say that to us, the absolute cheek of him. He's up, uh, and, I, and I just, I, I really know I have no more... Um, I have no more respect for Nyack or the HSE, the way they're talking down to us and threatening us. So if you get a call saying, okay, uh, your vaccination is, uh, sometimes you can get 24 hours notice. Like if you get a call on Monday saying your vaccination is on Tuesday at uh, Parky Cueve, if they are vaccinating, you will ask, what is the vaccine? They'll say AstraZeneca, you'll say no. No, I'm going to ask them. I ask them, can they produce the numbers? The numbers. No, no, they won't that. be. They won't be able to do that for you. Well, why? Why not? No, but why they, not? Because why they, are they withholding? The, no, they're they're people. They, this will be the person who's booking you in. Yeah. Well, I'm. I'm looking. I'm looking for that information. I'm doing my best. I'm just hoping. I'm just hoping out there that uh, that um, some TD will will take this up. Um, now, uh, Mike McGrath acknowledged my worries. Um, um, uh, Michal Martin's office said they tried to find out, but I heard nothing. Um, Simon Coveney, an answer machine. Sinn Féin are not interested. Now, Alan Kelly's office was uh, was interested. You've been busy me. then, haven't you? I have been very busy. Like, it's my health, it's my life. And uh, I'm looking for basic information that they're refusing to give out. Like, that, that is not helpful. How, like I'm saying, information okay, okay. is powerful. Okay, hold they, should pour, they should be pouring information out. It's not talking down to us. Okay, hold on there if you wish. Uh, Pat, good morning. How are you, Nate? Okay, your thoughts. That, that, that lady is that making a great point. But my, my point I want to make is 
why isn't why isn't this citizen of this country given the opportunity to pay for the vaccine they they want? Because we don't have enough no. of them. Well, well, whatever one is there, it should be given to the citizen. That's not that's not the citizen's um, problem. That's up to the government, who aren't making a very good good job of like, it. Well, what Mary's saying is this is ageist, that it's those who are over 60 are been asked to take the biggest risk. Well, she's right. It's a very simple. It's it's the plain the nose of your face. And what she's saying, it's a ten, it's a decade there between sixty and sixty. Well, nine years, but it's a decade. And if she got if she got the information of the eighteen people who were in hospital as to what age each and every one of them were, it would go some way to allay her fears. I would think, isn't that right, Mary? Yeah, or okay. even, or even of the no, in Europe, even of all the cases of the blood clots, how many even in, have it that way? Just like the USA came out straight up about it. What's the secrecy here? What are they hiding? Okay. Um, DMA says mostly. What does mostly mean? It could be one. It could be ten. It could be twenty-five percent. It could be anything under fifty percent. Okay. Like thank this, you. Uh, this is not helpful. Thank you. Thank Maybe, you. Like at the USA are are really they're um, they're. All the information you want is out there. That's the way it should be here. And I think the HSE has to change their tune and stop talking down to us. Give us the data. Give us the information. Thank you for that. We'll pick it up after 10. Thank you, Pat. Thank you, Mary. She is correct. Uh, speaking on RT Radio Morning Ireland this morning, Veradkar said, we are on track. The kids are back in school. The 5K rule is gone. We're building houses again. We're on track both to ease restrictions as planned on May 4th and of 80% of the people receiving their first vaccine by the end of June. He said the program was as solid as as it can be. Uh, asked what would happen to people who refuse the vaccine from AstraZeneca, he said they will have to wait until the end. Back after 10. I'm Lana O'Connor. Red FM News is first for local, national and international news. And you can stay up to date by tuning into our hourly news bulletins or by clicking on redfm.ie. Officially Ireland's music station of the year. This is Cork's Red FM. Eyes open 1850-104-106. Text 0868-104-106. I love Dean. Uh, could we have imagined over a year ago that a random young fella's holiday would be someone else's business? To be honest, I think it's none of our business. I hope Dean had a great holiday in Tenerife. There's too much hate going on between people. Another one, in regards to Dean and everybody else's holiday making, he came back on a plane from Tenerife and he said that the plane was full, albeit four or five seats. But he said many of them were families with kids and they were coming back from holidays. Um, anyway, I'm just passing on the text slides. In regards to Dean and everyone else's holiday making, they may feel justified in doing it, but they neglected the impact they have on the wider community. Uh, my son was born with craniosynsotosis. His surgery has been put on hold again and again and again, thanks to the ever-continuing spread from people breaking the rules. No child should have to live with ICP for selfish people having a holiday. Keep those texts coming. Text 0868104106. To the person who emailed me saying, I wonder if you could give me some information. I'm supposed to be going to Poland in May for surgery. I was supposed to get this issue resolved here in Ireland last May, but it got put off over COVID. So another example of a cancelled appointment, a cancelled surgery. I was on the waiting list for this for four years. This certain issue I have really gets me down about myself. Uh, I'm wondering, do you know if uh, I have to quarantine in a hotel when I arrive home? I'd be, I would by all means quarantine in my own home and would not move as I know how serious COVID is. I've looked this up myself and Poland doesn't seem to be on the red list. Maybe you could confirm if I'd have to stay in a hotel when I arrive home in Ireland. 
Um, thank you. Please don't give up my teacher. No, you won't have to go into a... I don't know how things will be in May, but right now Poland isn't on a list of red countries where you'd have to go into uh, quarantine in a Dublin hotel, but you would have to isolate at home, you know, and follow that protocol. So that's one less worry for you anyway. Good luck with the surgery. It's another example of cancelled surgery in Ireland because of COVID, but no quarantine hotel for you, but certainly quarantining and isolating when you get home. And good luck with that surgery in May. Uh, now, Karina's standing by, so is Rose. First up, Marion, good morning. Good morning, Neil. Do you want to pick Thank up you on... for having me on. Yeah, it was, it was Mary I was chatting with before 10. She's it livid, was, she's livid, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes, and so am I, because I'm just... As, I, I'm ignorant. I, I, as I was saying to Brenda, I'm in the age bracket. I know whether to... Why, why are you ignorant? You're I'm not ignorant. ignorant. Because, I, no, I, I feel like that I haven't enough information whether to get the vaccination. Or, I don't know what to do. I really don't. I'm only after breast cancer. Chemo and radium. Okay, okay. And you can imagine, <laughs> there's there's a fear, there's a fear within me. So no, no, I know. I'll be saying. I'm not going to scare maybe longer. Yeah. My GP. Yeah. Maybe I should contact my GP or my on- oncologist and seek their advice on it. But like, I, ju- I just feel I haven't enough of it. Well, why don't you do that? The chances are they will both tell you um, that you should take the AstraZeneca. But when. When, when I give out information, I don't wish to scare anybody, but like I have the comparisons between the vaccines in front of me, Pfizer, Moderna, Oxford and Johnson and Johnson. And of the four of them, two of them come with warnings. You know, the ones that come with warnings. I do. Yeah. A- AstraZeneca, AstraZeneca and Johnson and Johnson and Johnson and Johnson. I read the papers and I listen to the news. So you're not ignorant. You, you, you. <laughs> I suppose not. I suppose not. It's just that the, the doubt is there. I have it in my head. Maybe uh, this morning when I woke up, and I was saying, will I contact the uh, wherever you phone? You said you were going to give out the phone number. I was I'd phone them, you know, and make an appointment. Yeah, there is a portal that is now open. Portal, do you know what I mean? It's, you can do it online. It's a phone number. You can call them if you're you're. How old are you now? You're sixty-seven. You yeah. You can yeah. call on Sunday. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And get an appointment, yeah. and then in about two weeks' time, maybe a little less, you will get an AstraZeneca. The first of two jabs. Okay. But what you don't know is, yes, of the people that are in hospital, what age are they? Yes, I don't. I feel that I don't know. Of course, don't ask me about the government because I have no faith in them, and that's truthful, and that's God's honest truth. I have no faith. I have no trust. My, Leo, my respect for them are gone. Leo Varadkar is saying, if you refuse the AstraZeneca vaccine. At 67 years of age, you will go to the end of the list. I would never refuse, Neil. I would never refuse. But I would like to know the ins and the outs. The day, like, you know, the dangers for me after having, going through breast cancer, after going through chemo and radium and losing all my hair. I know. I, I would know. like to know what, what, what are the chances. Your oncologist will tell you that. Is, are your, you know... Are your chances of side effects increased because of the cancer, the chemo, the radium? Your oncologist will have all of those answers for you. Yeah, you yeah, know? okay. I can ring. I could ring the oncologist and ask, ask his, his advice. He's he's the top man there. Yeah, I mean that you would know? be that would be one less worry if your oncologist chats with you because, like, I I understand that you know people are worried that they're being used as guinea pigs. Feel free to hold on there if you wish, Rose. 
Hello, Neil. In fact, you, you're using the term guinea pig. You feel as if you're I, being... I am. I was extremely annoyed. And when I heard that lady, Mary, and then the gentleman on this morning, particularly Mary, from this, like I'm in my 60s, and from the people that I have spoken to, quite a few are saying, no, I'd rather carry the risk than have it. And as the other gentleman said, some people are saying, can we pay to have the Pfizer or the Moderna? Like, I love to have data. I want to know um, the facts and figures. It's it's my life. If I'm the one in a million, I'm the one, you know. And as well as that, I think, you know, the fear factor out there that the USA didn't even roll it out, that um, we are we are not given any choice. We're only a group that ta- we feel targeted. That's the way I feel. Yeah. And I feel it's very unjust. We have We have no options. And like it's our health at the end of the day, you know, and this could change in this could change in another few months. And they could say, oh, we've discovered now it's too late for us. I agree. It, it, yeah. Um, yeah. You know, it's too late. It's too late after you've had the clot. If you, it's too late if you get a blood clot. Kind of, yeah. Exactly. And it's, you see the information. I know everything is new. They have to go by the information as it, as it comes up. But this could change in two weeks time, three weeks time. That could be too late for us. It's just that there's a certain cohort told that they have to have the AstraZeneca whether they like it or not. No one else is subjected to that. As the gentleman said, I've spoken to people who are saying they're not taking it, they're going to take their chance. What good is that for the rest of the population? Have a listen to this. I was just doing some Googling research there and I can give you some stats from overseas if you want. This is um, yeah. this was some information that was given last week. 20 million doses of AstraZeneca uh, there were 19 deaths from it, right? 20 million doses in the UK. There were 79 cases happened after the first dose of clotting. Um, uh-huh. And 51 of them were women. 21 of them were men. Um, and of the 79 cases, they were aged between 18 and 79. Um, three of the 19 were under 30. Is that the kind of information that you guys want? All of those just... Age yeah, groups facts and figures, and I think that a certain cohort should not be told that you have to have this vaccine and no choice. I mean, I in the states, in the states, it isn't, it isn't rolled out at all. Like I'm sure that they have a reason for that. But hang on a second: seventy-nine cases of rare blood clotting from twenty million doses of AstraZeneca. Um, so, is, yeah, is there still a risk and a worry, even with those kind of numbers? I suppose if you're one of the 79, it is, isn't it? If you're one of the 79, and it's it's viral. And, you know, I think that these things cannot be taken lightly. And, you know, when I heard that gentleman saying then that he, he, you know, that he'd pay for not... I have people saying, I will pay to get one of the other vaccines. And I have people saying they're not going to get it at all. Now, if more people in the 60s say that, that's not good. Okay, okay, okay. So I think really it is, I think it's very unfair and it's causing extreme worry to people. And I feel, I feel like I'm a target. Okay, hold on there if you wish. Mary, good morning. Good morning, Neil. You want to pick up on Rose and Marion and what they have to say? Go ahead. I do indeed. I'll be quite honest with you. I'm probably going to say exactly the same thing they did. But apart from the blood clotting, it's the 10% efficacy with the South African variant. And what's really galling is the fact that, to be honest, it's the people in their 60s and upwards that did absolutely everything that they were asked. And now they're telling us practically, like, go do whatever you like. You take this 
You're not taking it because you are over... I'm not taking it because I'm 64. I don't like the this thing about all the blood clots and the efficacy... Against the South African variant, yeah. really big issue with that. They're actually forcing us to take the least effective vaccine. Uh, the least effective vaccine at the moment is the Johnson & Johnson. That's possible, but... The least, I mean, the Johnson and Johnson now has been pulled, so that's that's not in the frame yeah, at the minute. Yeah, but yeah. from day one, AstraZeneca has been under scrutiny, and all of a sudden, right, you guys here, take this, or you get nothing. Okay, so it's amazingly, it's very busy now with people who are sixty plus this morning who are raging over it and refusing and asking for more information and being felt as if they were being used as guinea pigs. Um, okay, uh, exactly. Yeah. Okay. Ho- ho- okay. Stay, stay listening, guys. Thank you, Mary. Thank you, Rose. Thank you, Marion. Let me uh, let me just drop those lines there, if you don't mind, because I'm going to talk to to Luigi. He's the pharmacist at the Late Night Pharmacy in Wilton. Luigi, good morning. Good morning, Neil. How am I misleading people? Just clarify there and correct me if I'm getting something uh, wrong. You and a lot of other media are misleading the people with the percentage of the uh, cases and the number of the cases. Uh, it is true. I quote you just a minute ago, 79 cases, maybe in 20 million people. In the UK, 79 uh, UK, plots. Yeah, yeah, in the UK. But all these cases, and this has been confirmed by the Germany, German authority, industrial authority, and uh, the EMA as well, all these cases have occurred in people under 60. So uh, the number of the people vaccinated under 60 is actually... Uh, the minority of those 20 million people because as you know in the UK they are vaccinated uh, by age group as everybody is doing so uh, the only people that have been vaccinated under the 60 years of age are the healthcare professionals so if you uh, look at the numbers as you should so the number of cases uh, versus the uh, portion of the population that is at risk of this strange uh, blood clot, so the under uh, 60, the numbers are much higher than than this. The percentage is much higher. But you're not. But but it's you're not right. You're simply wrong. Seventy nine cases happened after the first dose. Fifty one of them were women. Twenty one were men, and there were aged between eighteen and seventy nine, not sixty. Bless. 79 less. How many? How many there were between 60 and 79 years? But you see, I don't have that information. But I what do. I, it's only, it was only two between 60 and 79. I know, but you said they were all under 60, but they're like two. Okay, we're tiny, yeah. tiny numbers. But 79 yeah, exactly. of the cases happened that's in why, an age group between 18 and 79. That's why, that's why a lot of countries have decided to, uh, uh, to authorize this and, uh, over 60 and not under 60. When you put on the because market, o- because for the over sixties the figure would be two clots in twenty million doses, correct. But we have eighteen people in Irish hospitals with clotting associated with the AstraZeneca vaccine. Eighteen, and yet they're telling us that it would be between four and ten people in a million. So even simple maths make out that that's wrong. It's a lot more than four and ten in a million. When when you uh, consider these clots, Neil, uh, you, you put it maybe in the mix uh, uh, two different things. There are these strange clots in the brain, and in Ireland, as far as I'm aware, there's only been one person, 
And then there are other clots or DVT that at the moment there hasn't been any proof that this uh, clot uh, has been uh, linked to the AstraZeneca because they can happen uh, in, in, in people normally. So they, they, they say it could be coincidental or exactly. it could be because they don't know. And you are right when you say that one one of them was of particular interest to the HPRA because it was a case of cerebral venous thrombosis, which is a exactly. clot in the brain, isn't it? Yes. So yeah. that's that's the thing that is concerning, not not the the, the, the clot that can happen normally in the in the population at the at the same rate. But as a pharmacist, so do you believe that do you believe that the benefits of AstraZeneca with the within an older generation outweighs the risk or not? For the people and, uh, over sixty, the benefit uh, outweighs the risk because the risk of um, getting the um, uh, the COVID plus the complication that you can have from that are higher than uh, getting uh, the, the the side effect of the vaccine. Yeah. That's why um, a lot of uh, countries again they've authorized over sixty. Now. Uh, a lot of other countries, uh, Denmark, Norway, Finland, Estonia, uh, Iceland, uh, they have um, not uh, authorized now AstraZeneca for any category. Why? Because uh, if AstraZeneca would be the only vaccine on the market, then I would totally agree, put it on the market, give it to everyone because everyone over 60, because the benefits outweigh the risk. But when there is another vaccine available on the market that is more effective and uh, uh, has a less risk, a better uh, profile... Uh, You're referring to Pfizer as an example. I'm referring to Pfizer and Moderna at the moment. Uh, the only two that are authorized in Europe okay. who have a clear, uh, better profile in uh, benefits. Versus but you're, but you're suggesting if there's more than one, people should be given a choice, but there isn't enough for a choice. Here is not a matter of the choice. Uh, here is a matter that uh, the vaccine is not uh, something that is uh, um, compulsory, it's something that should be made compulsory. People should be properly informed. So until now, until the, the very end uh, of, of this uh, AstraZeneca saga, uh, all the media and all also the, 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 the health authorities have kept saying that AstraZeneca was safe, not to worry about it, and then all of a sudden, no, no longer say 160. So there should be more clarity on the fact that despite being largely safe, the AstraZeneca vaccine, and should have been different from the beginning, uh, this is a new medication. And therefore cases that are uh, particularly rare, uh, they won't come up until it's given. To the uh, to the broad population, yeah. yeah, yeah and but once this happens, and once this happens, uh, this is part. Um, uh, Fauci said something good. Yes, there is a, uh, even with the Johnson and Johnson, uh, is is a, a good thing that uh, the system that is in place in Europe and in America has picked up such a small number of cases out of millions of people to create concern about uh, about the vaccine. Both 
this is what science is. You, you, you progress from this and you authorize the uh, vaccine for the uh, group of people for which is uh, is available is 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 yeah but older people feel as if they're the guinea pigs in this and they're annoyed about it they're angry about it they're raging about it when when they hear there's uh, uh, in the states there's been six cases out of 20 million of Johnson and Johnson and America stopped the, uh, the the rollout of the vaccine and they even uh, delay if not stopping the rollout in the UK in the EU you understand why they're angry it's because it's a matter of availability of the va- of the other vaccine of the more effective vaccine of the safer vaccine but the benefits so out- outweigh the risk is that's your message isn't it over 60 the benefits of the uh, between 60 and 70 because unfortunately they didn't do any study over 70 and this is a, this is a very strange for medication they should have been a, a, a primarily targeted over over 70 but between 60 and 70 yes the benefits outweigh the risk however uh, there is on the market another uh, vaccine who is more effective and uh, whose risk has been proven so far to be uh, to be less likely for any age group. Pfizer, so, Pfizer, and Moderna. So I totally understand the concern of of, uh, of the people between sixty and, and seventy. They shouldn't be blamed for that, because again, with AstraZeneca, would be the only one. Fair enough, but it's not. And uh, there are uh, uh, it, 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 the. So when he says, that, then, if you refuse the AstraZeneca, uh, and you're over sixty, and you refuse it, you will go to the end of the queue. Who said that? Leo Varadkar. Well, he's... Uh, he's, he's said it this morning. They'll have to wait until the end. It's, it's surprisingly that uh, a, a doctor says something like this because uh, uh, they, it would be like me having a, a, an issue with taking a cholesterol tablet and my doctor say, well, you're not getting any until next year. So, like, the, the issue is that there is a lack of availability of the vaccine but the people who are not willing to take the vaccine because of the concern that they've been uh, uh, created by the, uh, the, the, the the mismanagement of the of the information uh, passed by the media and the and the government itself, the people who have their concern should not be penalised. Do you think that this fear of AstraZeneca was media driven? It was whipped up. The, this fear. That, that there are normal there are normal side effects to all vaccines and all medication, and this is no different. But the, the media has got its teeth into this. The media uh, were um, uh, very uh, concentrated on the, on the vaccine. You know, this is a, a very very uh, big issue. Uh, like the, there has been in the past medication for weight loss, for example, that's, that have been taken off the market uh, and the media coverage for, for, for benefit not weighing the risk uh, and the media coverage was, was a, a fraction. Uh, obviously, the media has covered that extensively, but at the same time, has also covered the extensively messages from uh, uh, government body that they were uh, misleading on the other side. Take it is absolutely safe, and then after the week, it's not safe. When uh, last week, uh, there were countries in Europe uh, pulling it uh, right, left, and tenth, and it was Spain, it was Germany, the Dutch, Italians, and French, 
there's police uh, from from the under 60. Uh, even the UK pulled it under 30, and it's their baby. Ireland kept giving it to everybody for 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 the whole week, and only on Monday they made a statement. This doesn't instill confidence in the people. And if Leo Varadkar says, well, we don't instill confidence in you, both you have to do what you say, otherwise you go on the, on the, on, on the back of the queue, is uh, not only politically, but medically uh, very, very concerned. Okay, thank you for that. If we would find the comments of uh, the Tonishta, who himself is a GP, um, medically concerning that a GP would tell anybody they have to wait till the end and go to the back of the queue. Thank you, Luigi, pharmacist with the Late Night Pharmacy in Wilton. Um, actually, there is a breakdown of um, the different jabs and when they're arriving into this country, and there's no point telling you what came in to the country, say, in January, February and March, or what was promised, but what is expected uh, is more of interest to me, what's expected. And really, Pfizer is the big ticket vaccine with regards to the amount that's coming into Ireland. Pfizer, it by far outweighs any of the other vaccines that we're expecting. Like in the month of April, as I just told you about earlier on this morning, 546 doses in April alone. May, we're expecting 738,000. June, we're expecting three quarters of a million. Um, And that's just April, May and June. By comparison to that, like Moderna, struggles to get above 110, 115, 120,000 a month. Um, and AstraZeneca is in and about a quarter of a million for April, a quarter of a million for May, and 327,000 expected for June. Now, that could change with regards to AstraZeneca, but the one that's coming in in large numbers is Pfizer, so maybe that's somewhat more positive for people. Back after the break. Call the Neil Prenderville Show now. 1850 104 106. Red FM. Okay, Karina, good morning. You're on the air. Hi, Neil. How are you? Good, thank you. You want to pick up on some of the girls that were on earlier on with regards to their worries? um, Well, this morning when I woke up and and, and, uh, started listening to you, I didn't realise that this was going to unfold. Um, uh, I, I'm just very angry about what Leo Varadkar has said about having to go back to the end of the queue. I just think it's it's a very threatening kind of uh, a, a statement to come out with. Um, I would be equally not as educated with regards to the stats like Mary and Rose and Marion this morning, but I I have a worry as well. Um, and my question when I text in was um, if the uh, AstraZeneca is um, safe for the over 60s as um, Leo says it is um, but my question is uh, the percentage of those in the Doyle who are that age group, Hall being one of them um, are they going to take that Is um, Hall 60 vaccine? plus now do you think? Well, he's exactly the same age as myself. We hit 60 last year and having celebrated a 60th birthday in lockdown, is this what we're going to be, um, you know, is, is this our, our, what we, we're going to have to put up with? Well, he's quoted um, in the Irish Times now. This is a few weeks old, but he was quoted back in the Irish Times at the back end of March saying that he would happily receive the AstraZeneca COVID-19 vaccine. Now, okay. that was a few weeks back and we have a lot more with regards to the clotting risk. But yeah, and uh, it's the fear of the unknown, Neil. I suppose, like I, I he hasn't been vaccinated. I believe, sure, he hasn't. 
Yeah, well then, let him be the first one. So, you know, um, it's just the fear of the unknown. Um, It's just, it feels the age 60 upwards to to 70. It's like what the other ladies said on the the radio earlier was, you you feel as if you're being made the guinea pig. There you go. It's an older cohort of society saying that they feel as if they're being railroaded. and I feel we're being thrown under the bus for the sake of it's it's for all like Neil that they've got a batch of of um, vaccines in, um, and you know if you don't if you don't take this, well then you go back to the end of the queue. Um, it's it's not. Would you nice prefer to, to see? Would you prefer? It's just a question now. Would you prefer to see AstraZeneca and Johnson just scrapped, not used at all, and just rely and wait for Pfizer and delay the rollout of the vaccine accordingly? Well, for me personally, I would have no problem waiting for the uh, Pfizer um, vaccine. I just feel if this is being rushed through too quickly. Even though a I pharmacist feel, just said there that the benefits well, far he, outweigh the risk of COVID in an elderly person. Yeah, he, he, he was very good with his stats and his information. But at the end of the day, he said there are vaccines out there, however, were more effective. And those were Pfizer and Moderna. If you see another country not rolling out a vaccine, there obviously are reasons behind it. And I know that the numbers um, are minuscule when you compare them in millions of, of, of people getting the vaccination. But that one, two people that would have a clot that's enough to have a, a doubt. I don't okay. want to see that one or okay. two uh, 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 people that would would react that way. And you never know until you get it. And where and are the TDs in the doll fighting yes, back for those like that are 60 Because Varadkar is, is, is a long way off 60. Like that, it's all very... it. And it's fine for him to say that. And I know he's a doctor, but he's not giving um, the people who are in that age bracket and like myself who just got into that age bracket. Like, what's the difference between somebody who has turned 60 last year and somebody who's 59? Because, if I remember correctly, they're saying that this risk is decades younger than you. Decades younger, like 20s and 30s. But didn't you mention there a few minutes ago? With low platelets. Yeah, that there was two people in the 18 to 79 that uh, reacted with the AstraZeneca. That's two in 20 million. Uh, Neil, are you in that bracket yet? No. No, just about, nearly. <laughs> nearly, yeah. Well, I, I mean, I, I have Would you? had the, I have had the yeah. first dose of the AstraZeneca okay. vaccine. Oh, the first dose, okay. Yeah. Okay, okay. Well, it's just, I think we need to be reassured more. It, it feels like we're being herded like cattle down this, this, this uh, uh, tunnel yeah. towards something we don't really know very much. And I woke up this morning, I wasn't... I was, I, to be honest with you, I always had a bit of a, 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 an uneasy feeling in my gut because when I was bringing my, my elderly mom, um, who's 80, 89, to the injection, to her vaccine, I really wanted to know what vaccine. And when I heard it was the Pfizer, I kind of was a bit relieved, definitely. There was always something about the AstraZeneca. I don't know, I can't put my... You know, my, we live in an age now, and we live in an age now where we have so much information constantly being bombarded with yes. information. Generations yes. before us didn't have that. They just got on with things, and maybe there were risks, and maybe they were ignorant of them, whether that was a good thing or not, I don't know. But I, with, know. You know I know. Now we have so much to compute 
you know, and to, dis- to digest. And and Neil, in general, I would normally go along with what a doctor says and go away and get all the vaccines. But for some reason, this does not sit well. I feel that our that, that age uh, cohort needs a bit of more reassurance. It, this, and the statement that he came out with this morning, if you don't take it now, you go to the back of the queue. Yeah. And with this portal opening up, you feel, oh my God, if I don't put my name down now straight away, well then that's it. And I want to be able to travel again. I want to be able to get back out and living life um, like we have done I before. Know and yeah. I, I feel we have done all we've been asked to do um, uh, if, since lockdown. And I just feel a gun is being put to our head at the moment. Okay. Um, okay. We need a little bit more information about okay, it. Okay, well, Michal is 60. Uh, so yeah. um, is the challenge there? Well, Tishik, you're 60. Go and get the AstraZeneca jab and we'll watch. But then again, what benefit would that do if it's only a few hundred million, you know? I know, yeah, yeah. But lead by example kind of thing. Lead by example. But the, but the thing is, the 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 numbers, as you said, uh, very few. But then, do you want to be in those few numbers? I hear you. you okay. Know? All right. Thanks, Karina. A little bit more reassurance, definitely. I think wouldn't go amiss. Okay, I'll and plow on here because it's uh, yeah. it's busy with calls, and I appreciate your contribution. Thank you, June. Good morning. Uh, good morning. Uh, thank Lee. you, Malcolm. I get in. Good. Thank you. You are uh, you booked? Are you booked in? No, I, 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 sh- I should be booking on Saturday. I, I'm 67 and I'd be 68 in June. So Sig- yeah, Saturday's your day and then expect a jab in less than a fortnight. Yeah. 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 Yes. Now, I'm one of these people, Neil. Um, I, I remember with my uh, four children and with my children, I was first down for M- uh, the MRI and the, it, it went up to I got rubella first thing for, for them all. I'm definitely 100% into having children vaccinated, and I know there's risks. But I'm very annoyed about the AstraZeneca because, um, number one, um, I have a slight um, history. I had a mini-stroke about two years ago, and I have a kind of a form of migraine where my hands go numb and all that, and I'm going to tell my medical history now. And um, so I I did ring my doctor. I rang Monday before it all broke that they were um, withdrawing it from the... uh, to the under uh, yeah to the under sixties, but there was a lot going on last weekend, and I was a bit worried about it. And um, he sort of said to me, "There'll be a lot going on in the next ten days, and you you don't have to register straight away mm. and see how things develop and blah blah blah." So. That didn't kind of help me either, in a sense. Yeah, Luke O'Neill, the professor, is quoted. This is the most updated quote that I can find from him. He says, this is Professor Luke O'Neill, you know, all know of him. He says, yeah. everybody over 60 should take this vaccine. This shouldn't put them off. They will be anxious and hesitant, of course. It is understandable yeah. there would be hesitancy now and worry about it. But absolutely take the vaccine if you're over 60 because the risk of having severe disease, as we know, and the really awful consequences from COVID are very, very high if you're in that age group and this vaccine will protect you, he says. Yeah, well, I see that point. But first, when it came out about any sort of class, they said that anybody um, from 60 up shouldn't get it. That was their first thing. They said that anybody over 60 shouldn't get AstraZeneca, should get Pfizer. So our government came out and decided they'd put the bar at 70. 
So everyone over 70 would get Pfizer. So that was only about a month That's ago. right. And it's, they okay. say science changed. But are you, are you saying that 60 pluses are lambs to the slaughter then, like many other people well, this morning? Well, I, I definitely am. I definitely don't believe okay. that, douche. And they, they will tell you everywhere that you'd get a much better result if you don't actually put the gun to people's heads, you know? Like, we have concerns, and they just decided to draw the bar between 60 and 70. Now, they're saying for various reasons that, look, there's okay. so many, so many, and so many million, and, and... Okay, and four and ten, but there's 18 in hospital. What, so yeah, what will you that. do? Will you call the number on Saturday? I actually don't know what I'll do. Okay. To be, to be, to be frank with you. Okay. Like, I would much prefer... And I know this sounds daft. If they told me that I could have the Pfizer vaccine in August, you know, I I would I would hang on till August and just just and and get Pfizer's in August. Okay. Or, you know, okay. It, the gains now that they've withdrawn, they're saying that it's put back their their vaccine program by a month. So instead of everyone being vaccinated by vaccinated by when they will be, yeah. it'll be the end of the summer. Okay, but okay. They, but they go happy knowing that they're they're that they're fine. I understand. Now, yeah, I know. Could I just say one other thing that we have a camper and we we haven't travelled in the last you know eighteen months ago since this started, and we go a lot to Europe. And now they're coming out and they're saying, and I know in France in particular because they have a lot of you know colonies with with Africa or ex colonies, whatever. A lot of you know a lot of the African variant is in France. So if it only got, has a ten percent efficacy against that, what do we do? We travel to France. Don't. Don't, and that's the country we mainly travel to. Well, you want you know? to you I mean, want to eliminate risk and worry and stress and anxiety. Well, I'm not traveling now. I'm not traveling this summer. I, I won't else. travel. Oh no, no. I think I'm I just, just I leave you on that point. Actually, you're one of the lucky ones heading into the Irish summer with a camper van because you really and truly can do whatever we you are, want. But you can't get into campsites. That's another story. But, well, you, um, yeah, but you don't need them with a camper van. I am you don't. One of the luck- no, 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 no. We, we don't. We try and be as good as we can. But what I'm saying to you is, you know, a lot of people now are going that way and we need to be vaccinated well against the South African variant. OK, thanks, well. June. I will move on, but thank you so much for your time. Marianne is standing by with Malcolm's next. Morning. Morning, Ed. You refused Astra, did you? I did, um, over a week ago. Why? Where? When? Um, I didn't do it willy-nilly. To be honest with you, look, I've done a bit of research on it as well. I mean, prior to what came out in the last few days about AstraZeneca, I um, I done a bit of research when I got a phone call, and at first, when I was when I got the phone call, I was asking my PPS number and I gave it, so I was going to go ahead with it. And in the time that it took for me to get to to go for the the, the, the vaccine, I done a bit of research myself, and I just wasn't happy with it to be honest with you. And a few days later, then it came out that the AstraZeneca was banned from the six days. Mm. No stopping it. Mm. So I just feel vindicated in what I did know. And could you could I ask you what age cohort you're in? I'm fifty Neil. But I have I have underlying health condition. Okay, okay. Like okay. I, I, I visit I visit a, a breathing specialist there every six months. So it was he actually put me forward for it. But when I rang back all the common calls, you know that I said just not showing up. I didn't think it was right not to show up. I rang back and I got a bit of I got a bit of flack for it, to be honest with you. You said that when you rang back to refuse it, the person got thick with you? Yeah. What does that mean? Yeah. In what way? <laughs> short and short answers. Like, you know, you will be put to the bottom of the list. Now, I said, hang on a second. I said, I'm not refusing the vaccine, but I'm refusing the AstraZeneca. 
Can I not get the other ones? No. That's what I was told. They're not there, Malcolm. They're not there in the... They weren't there in the numbers at the time, AstraZeneca. Well, you know, I which mean... Is, which is fair enough. Which is fair enough. And I have no problem with that. Look, it's going to run its course or whatever. But, like, I felt as, as my human rights that I wasn't fancy... I didn't fancy the AstraZeneca because of the research I done into it. I mean, there's 26 countries around the world at the moment have it banned outside of other countries. And no which what broke in the last few days... And then for him to tell you, if you refuse it, you'll be put to the bottom of the list. I didn't refuse it. I refused AstraZeneca. Mm. I didn't refuse the vaccine. Yeah. So where do you, you know, st- where do you stand now? Because you are at the bottom of the list, whether you like it or not. Yeah, there you go. So they're telling me, you know, they are going to. They're telling me, you know, when I can go and get it. So you now have um, underlying issues with your chest and breathing and your lungs. COVID, yeah. lo- COVID loves somebody like you, they say. Um, yeah. So have you now put yourself at more risk with regards to your condition than you would have if you'd had the vaccine? Well, sure, of course, I'm going to get people to come on here now probably more than that. I've done this and I've done that. At the end of the day, Neil, this was my choice. Like your lumpet, my choice. Yeah. I made that decision. I made that call. Like, my daughter had COVID when, back a few months ago. And she isolated her home for the two weeks. She was actually breaking it in case of, you know, that she passed on to me. To you, yeah, yeah, yeah. But we all got tested and none of us had it. So, I don't know. So you didn't have any plans that maybe if, if say, for instance, like if a vaccine passport comes along for somebody who can go to the pub or a vaccine passport comes along for somebody who can get on an airplane or go into a restaurant. I think that's absolutely disgraceful. No, but you've... That's the case. Why? It could happen. What do you mean, why? What's the disgrace that that you need a vaccine passport? Yeah, yeah. Oh, there is is potential that people will be in. It could well be the case that people will be indoors in a restaurant and a pub with a digital vaccine passport and others without it won't. Well, as far as I think it's on, that's absolute discrimination. Okay. It's against your human rights. That's discrimination. No, I'm not well, saying, I'm not saying, but it's not written in stone, but that does seem to be an indication, doesn't it? But it looks as if it's heading that way, Neil. Yeah, yeah, okay. Okay, all right. Thanks for that, Marianne. Good morning. Good morning, Neil. You are, are you still sitting across the road from City Hall? I'm just, yeah, I got out of the car now to walk across. Oh, I'm glad I got you ahead of that. Why, where are you going? Oh, to the City Hall. For what? Uh, an AstraZeneca. When did I'm they actually start jabbing in City Hall? <laughs> they... They sent me a message on Friday to tell me to go in on Tuesday to the City Hall. On Sunday night at 12 o'clock, I got a message saying I wasn't to go anywhere near it. It was scrapped. And then yesterday, they sent me another message saying I was to come today at 5 past 11. And you you, you did all of that and you're there, but you're still yeah. not sure whether you could go in, is it? Should go in? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm still not sure. And do you mind me asking your age cohort? 64. Yeah. And any issues health-wise? Yeah. Yeah. I have. I suffer with bronchitis and I have fibromyalgia and rheumatoid arthritis. And so I imagine like that. that a GP would tell you that those risks far out there, you're at risk with COVID an awful lot more than the four in a million who might get a clot. Yeah. Yeah. That's what I'm thinking. So, um, what, so what will you do? I'll probably go. I'll probably go because it's the safer option. But how do you feel all the same? Nervous. Yeah. 
apprehensive, nervous, yeah. anxious. Yeah. Yeah. But, but you you you've weighed it up, and on what basis have you decided to proceed? Well, the um, following the science. Yeah, 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 and the numbers. You know, the numbers are are not big enough for me to seriously worry about it. Yeah. Yeah. But I would prefer to be getting one of the others. Yeah, I know, I know. You've made the decision. You're you're going with your your gut. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, because I need to get it. You see, I'm due an infusion um, since February, and I can't get it because I have no injection. Do you do you feel though at the same time that you're being forced to take this yeah. risk and this gamble? Yeah. 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 As many people in your age group at the moment feel as if they're being used as guinea pigs or lambs to the slaughter. Yeah, well, there's none of my siblings that are going to get it. My mum did get it, all right. She got her two lots. And she's in her 80s, so that's fine. Yeah, but that was probably Pfizer, though, was it? No, it was AstraZeneca. All right, okay. Well, let that be an indication to you then. Your, your decision is made. Well, the thing that's getting to me is why did they cancel it Sunday night? Uh, as okay. if they were taking it off. No, I, I, you know what? That was the knee jerk. Everything stopped, remember? Yeah. Yeah, that was that. I think they were just assessing everything as kind of like caught in the headlights. What do we do now? All of this information yeah. is coming in. Now we're hearing of Johnson & Johnson in America and stuff like that. What will we do? So they probably circled the wagon, sat down and looked at it and then made decisions to proceed. And that's why we have the announcement that 60 pluses, you heard Varadkar this morning, if you don't take it, yeah. back to the end of the queue that's and you could be potentially be August. Yeah. You see, that I could potentially be to be August, and then it would be Christmas before I get my infusion that I needed in February. You're you're going into City Hall for the jab, but under protest. Yeah, I know what you're saying. Yeah, all right. Yeah. Fingers crossed for you, Marianne. All will be Thank well. Thank you. All right. Thank you. All right. Give Bye us a call. Need. Give us a call when you come out. If you're out before midday, will you? I will do. All right, girl. Take care. Cheers. All right. Back after the break. Text the Neil Prenderville Show now. 086-8104-106. Red FM. Yes, indeed. And the texts are coming in thick and fast. Yes, indeed. A great guy. A great fan of the show. Keith Kelly from Whitechurch celebrates the big Hawaii today. 5-0. Keith Kelly cars. Would you please give him a shout out? He never misses Neil's show. Happy to oblige on that one, Mick. It's his brother-in-law, Keith Kelly from Whitechurch. 50 today. Happy birthday, Keith. The sun is shining on you, pal. And Marion, lovely, lovely lady. She's listened to your brilliant program. And yes, I will be signing up on Sunday, even though I'm nervous of all the vaccine. But I take the flu every year, the flu vaccine, and I never ask who the manufacturer is. I think there is too much negativity attached to the vaccines. And after all, we have a far higher chance of getting a clot from a long-haul flight. Keep those texts coming. Text 0868104106. Also, if you want to get in touch by email and you have a story to share, email neil at uh, redfm.ie. Hey, it's Dave. Join me weekdays from four for Dave Max Drive, where I'll help get you home or give you a little lift at home. Big hits, loads of fun features and traffic info. What more could you need? Join me weekdays from four. Dave Max Drive. 104 to 106 Red FM This is the Neil Prenderville Show uh, Yes indeed, thank you so much I see Cork County Council now are advertising looking for people to sell them their properties particularly if you have one bedroom properties they're looking, they're saying do you own a one bedroom vacant property would you consider selling it to Cork County Council and they're asking people to contact them at corkoco.ie Interesting isn't it? Uh, more interesting that they're looking for one bedroom 
properties. Um, they're not looking for two beds or three bed or four bed semis or anything like that. One bedroom properties. Um, our health system is a joke especially the HSE, uh, the CUH, I should say. Our health system is a joke, especially the CUH. Oh, God, what an, what an horrific experience it is to have to go through A&D up there, says Marie. She's actually picking up on other calls that we had there, say, yesterday with regards to the potting system up there. They're doing the best they can with the potting system there is to try and keep people safe. But anyway, Marie says, over nine hours waiting to see a doctor and confirmed COVID patients sitting meters away from vulnerable patients in the waiting area. How do I know they are COVID positive or not? Well, I was sitting so close that you could hear the doctors and nurses speaking to these patients. My heart broke today seeing really elderly people with no one with them waiting even, long, even longer than I was waiting. This is so wrong on many levels. There was a stage up there where four hours passed without a patient being called by a doctor. Four hours, not one of us called. This is crazy. Triage nurses calling patients in and out like clockwork. But that's where your treatment ends for the next 8 to 12 hours. How can things go on like this? It's not right, and elderly patients should never have to go through this kind of experience. Well, when you create a center of excellence and you shoehorn everybody into it, you know, and close down regional hospitals and regional healthcare facilities, this is the result of it, you know, and that's the change since the HSE became one big massive machine rather than regionalized more local services with smaller and more localized hospital settings. I don't know whether that answers your question. I'm, I'm curious to say that you um, you said that how did I know that there were uh, COVID positive? You say because the doctor, you could hear the doctors and nurses speaking to the patients. So obviously you overheard conversations where it was divulged that they were there because they were COVID positive. That is a worry for sure. It certainly is. Anyway, a lot of texts yesterday on different topics of conversation. Amongst them, people in awful pain. Lovely calls then on my reminiscing with Con regarding the railways. Uh, many people love rail and all. Actually, one person was saying that it isn't necessarily correct that there is no railway museum. Gronya said there's a railway museum in Carrig on Shore. Um, and then just on railway heritage, Cork County Council's local studies page have scanned in photographs from the late Colum Creedon on Cork's railways. He did extensive worth work. And if you love rail and the history of our rail, it's really well worth looking at, says the historian, Councillor Kieran McCarthy. So that's up on Cork County Council's website, I suppose, where you can see all of the photographs that were taken of Cork Railways. I certainly will be looking at it. Without a doubt, I will. Uh, on the A&D, I was in CUH last Thursday with a broken wrist. I was in and out in two hours and all the staff were in great shape. Kind of depends on when you go, I suppose. I was in the A&D Sunday night. It was shocking. I never saw anything like it in my life. I was waiting for a bed um, from 8.30 a.m. to 10.45 p.m. Now, some would say that you got a bed on the same day, but what went on during the wait is probably what was shocking. Uh, but getting a bed on the same day, that's pretty good from the stories that I've heard down through the years. I can tell you that. Back to the phone as we go. Pat O'Neill, Pat, good morning. Hi, David. How are you? Good. You have um, you have a, your own website, uh, Canary Island Trips dot or Canary Island Tips dot com. That's correct. And That's you correct. heard my conversations with the likes of Dean over and back to Tenerife. I have a date. And full flights of, of families coming back from their halls. Um. Yeah, I've been listening for the last month, and I think there's an impression that like there's flights leaving every day, and there's thousands of people going up to the Canary Islands. 
and that's not really the case. Are you there? Have are you there now? I'm not there at the moment. I came back uh, about last year. The last time I spoke to you, I just come back from South America. So how do you so, know? Oh right. Oh yeah. 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 That was during so COVID, I, wasn't I, it? I, yeah, I lived there. I lived in that Thomas for about six years, you know. So I have a website called Canary Island Tips, and I put a lot of information about COVID, latest pricing, how many people are going over there. And the islands are really suffering at the moment, you know. And anyone that thinks that there's a lot of Irish going over there, um, it's, it's not really true, you know. Well, his flight, was, his flight was full coming back into Dublin. He said. Yeah, I actually heard that. Maybe that's all the construction workers coming back, you know. I'm not sure. Uh, uh, now, I think there's very few flights going there. And that's one of the problems, you know. And uh, I think as well, this time of the year, a lot of elderly people go to the Canaries in October and they come back in April, you know. So that could be a factor as well with that flight being okay. full. Okay. But just to give you some real numbers on it, right, uh, there was official stats published there by the Canary Islands Tourist Board yesterday. And in March this year, 876 Irish people went to the Canary Islands. 876 in the month of March? Yeah, so there was 302 in Tenerife, 269 people went to Lanzarote, 240 went to Gran Canaria, and just 65 people went to Porto. So look at the, just, have you the stats to compare March 2021 with March 2020 and March 2019? I do. I have March 2019, because you wouldn't look at 2020 because the Spanish lockdown happened gotcha. last March. Okay, okay. So the okay. best way to look at it is March 2019. Thank you. So it's 44,518 down on March 19, which is 98%. Yeah. So it's 98% down on the same month, 2019, when there was no COVID. This exactly. month of March 2021, 867. March 2019, 44,500 more. Yeah, so wow, I'm like, that would be... That, yeah. I'm like, well, that's off a cliff, isn't it? Yeah, I'm like, people are... I think people think there's loads of Irish over there and the streets are full with them, you know. But that's not true. I'm like, if the situation with the Canaries at the moment is like overall businesses are down about 85%. And if you go to the resorts, because I, I have a lot of friends over there, um, I'm like, about, tw- about 75% of the hotels... And the apartment complexes are closed. So, mm. I mean, it's, it's like a de- it's like a desert over there. And the funny thing is, like that COVID rates over there are about the same as here at the moment. But we've had a severe lockdown. I'm like, they've really been open for business since June last year. I mean, if you are not, if you are, I were in the Canary Islands now, we could sit down and have a coffee. We could have a beer. We could have uh, breakfast. You could have dinner. You could go into a department store. And is that the and same in Tenerife, Gran Canaria, Lanzarote? Yeah, yeah, yeah the figures. I'm like, I, I do a daily update on the stats. So I'm like, they, what they do need is that they have levels, right? And they've gone from level one to level four. And they do it by islands. So if you reach a certain COVID rate, you might move up Um you might move up a level or move down a level. And basically what that is, is that they have, um, they have uh, curfews, you know. So, for example, at this moment, uh, Tenerife, Gran Canaria, 
and Fort Ventura would be on level three. So that means that there's a 10 p.m. to gotcha. 6 a.m. Yeah. curfew. Yeah. So uh, if you're on level two, Lanzarote is on level two at the moment. They can stay out and have a beer until 11 p.m. Is all um, that outdoors or is it indoors as well? It's outdoors and indoors. And like, for example, okay. on level three, you can't go indoors. And level two, outdoors. you can't. Okay. Okay. Yeah. And I'm just curious about CanaryIslandsTips.com. Yeah. What tips do you give people? Uh, well, the last time I'm like, uh, I put up a post here and I did my first ever podcast. I've never done a podcast Good man. Before. Well done. So Do did, something uh, that frightens you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, it did take me about a hundred uh, uh, attempts to get it right, you know. <laughs> but uh, I'm like the last uh, information for pricing because it's historical information. So you have to wait a couple of months. So I'm like, if you were going to the Canaries in the last six months, Lanzarote was definitely the best value um, island. So you uh, tell February, people the best value, the best places to stay, the best hotels, yeah. the best apartments. COVID rates, yeah, COVID rates. Like I do a daily update on uh, the COVID rates. And do you and tell people if, they, if they're thinking of retiring, of pension age, that it's a good place to go, that it's, like, is it cheap for people to live on a pension, that kind of yeah, stuff? Yeah, you, it would. I mean, you can, you can have a good quality of life over there for, uh, you can, I mean, like, I know when I lived in Las Palmas, there's a lot of uh, people retire there, and um, I'm like, they, they might rent, say, if you're from Sweden, and you could rent your house in Stockholm, and then rent in, like, Las Palmas, and then you could live very comfortably off your pension, you know? Yeah, cost of, living, cost of living is low. Yes, okay. way lower. I mean, okay. you can go out and have a meal for seven or eight euro, you know? Okay. Uh, but if you're you're here, you could be stuck indoor looking at the, the bad weather, you know? Well, that's so, just it. That's maybe why yeah. a lot of people think that, you know, sunshine is important in later life. Listen, I'd love to talk longer, Pat, and I hope I have an opportunity to speak with you again. But I do Absolutely. need to move on at this point. But I would sure, direct yeah, traffic to your website. Sure you're, you're busy with the... With people worrying. I know, it's just a lot of worry. I want to talk to Dr. John Sheehan because he's a GP and he, I just have some questions I want to ask him and he stepped sure. out of surgery, okay? But sure. listen, good luck with that. www.canaryislandtips.com. Look after yourself. Okay, Neil, Feel free much. to stay in touch. Dr. John, good morning. Thanks for stepping out. Good morning, Neil. Um, I, I, I don't know, Brenda probably brought you up to date, but Leo Varadkar put the cat amongst the pigeons this morning when he said that people who refuse the AstraZeneca, the 60 pluses, will have to wait until the end. Many 60 pluses this morning feel as if they're lambs to the slaughter and they've used terms like guinea pigs. Uh, could you respond to all of that, if you will? I, I will, yeah, really. And I think all the vaccines have been shown to be safe, Neil. And we, I've been on, vaccines are, 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 are my life at the moment. And we were on a webinar last night where we went through all the risk factors. And to put it in context, someone put up a slide of four full Crow Parks, mainly with the Dublin supporters there, it has to be said. And the risk <laughs> is... One person in four full crow parks is at risk of getting a cot. And that risk, that person is really is going to be a young person more than likely because the risk is with young people, people in their 20s, 30s and 40s. They're the people who are likely to get the risk. And the simple reason being is they're the ones who are likely to have a big immune response and produce this inflammatory uh, situation where they get where they get a cut. So the risk goes down as you get older, but then the risk of dying from COVID goes up as you get older. So you have to balance it out. And different countries have picked different ages. France seems to have picked fifty-five as a cut-off point where they where where the risk 
of, of cost goes down and the risk of COVID goes up. So they give it to the 55. The UK, I think, it, 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 it's less. And here they picked over 70. Now, the reason they haven't picked all, or sorry, over 60, the, the 60s, reason they haven't yeah. picked 60 all the way up is that they've already started giving the Pfizer's Pfizer vaccine to the over 70s. So they decided it would be too much confusion to change that. So they just keep going with the Pfizer to the over 70s and they're giving the AstraZeneca uh, for the over 60s. I've had many patients of other age groups who are high risk who've got the AstraZeneca and they've been fine. If people react to it, the evidence seems to show that they react in the first two days. And if they don't react then, they don't react at all. And then in terms of the second dose, there doesn't seem to be that effect with the second dose. In the UK, 800,000 people have got the second dose and there doesn't seem to be that effect with the second dose. And um, so I would encourage people to register for it. I know uh, I can guarantee the website's probably going to crash today. Um, we're getting loads of calls, like every practice, I'd say, in Cork is getting loads of calls um, about it because the communication of this hasn't been well handled and there's no point in pretend saying otherwise. The other change that has happened, and this only happened at 11 o'clock last night, Neil, is we were due to give vaccinations to what's called very high-risk group and high-risk group. These are people who have, uh, say, cancer, who have uh, bad diabetes, uh, who have a high BMI. And originally we were due to give them the AstraZeneca, but because they've received extra Pfizer vaccines, we're going to be giving them the Pfizer vaccine uh, um, now. So the AstraZeneca will be given in the hubs in City Hall and Parky Keefe. And in general practice, we'll continue to give the Pfizer vaccine to the over 70s and to the very, we'll be starting in the next couple of weeks to the very high risk and then the high risk groups. So the, so the age groups at risk, because what people want is information, because they say, like for instance, an example of it would be that they claim that the AstraZeneca can have a, a, a clotting risk or uh, can, can clot in between 4 and 10 per million. But we have 18 cases in Irish hospitals with clotting. Uh, so those numbers don't add up. And at the same time, then people are saying, tell us the age groups, like get right down into how old are the 18 people with clotting in hospitals. That, that would allay people's fear a little bit more, you know? It, it certainly would, yeah. And I think they, they need to give, while respecting patient confidentiality, they need to give more. But we don't want to know who the patients are. We just want to know their ages. Yeah. Yeah. My understanding is most of them are in, in, in the young young age group. But there was a very good slide shown last night, you know, that if you vaccinate a million people or, or you don't vaccinate, some people are going to get, you know, different things. They're going to die, they're going to get cancer, they're going to get heart attacks, they're going to get strokes and things like that. The question is, are your, is your risk significantly increased by giving the AstraZeneca vaccine? And really, it isn't. They're just being cautious because they have the other vaccines. And if we didn't have the other vaccines, this really, we would just probably plow ahead with the AstraZeneca vaccine. I think the risk has been over, over, overstated. Um, you know, there's 11 million doses given in the UK and, the, you know, it seems to be going okay. You're naturally cautious with this, but it's not like, you know, um, well, that, well that, that was a term that was used by numerous people this morning. Ash, should we have the AstraZeneca? Uh, there's a risk to it, but we have it, so we might as well give it to the oldest. Yeah, no, I don't, I don't think that's the case. I think it's just the, uh, the evidence 
okay. as you go as you go older, the risk of clots just goes way down. So there's a balance at the cutoff point there where your risk of clots is very low, but you get the benefit from the AstraZeneca. And the AstraZeneca is really good in preventing. I know the people say it's not as good as the Pfizer in terms of preventing hospitalization and ICU admissions and death. It's really really good. So your medical advice then, say to Marion, who was literally outside in her car outside City Hall, she has now gone in. Others then are saying, I would prefer to wait until August rather than th- take this. Your medical advice is, take it. I would, yeah, I would. You know, there, there's always concern when you're giving any vaccination, but really these are going to be the most studied vaccines probably in history and the most data and the evidence so far um shows that it's it's safe you know there's there's a risk with everything but the evidence so far the evidence of taking aspirin uh, if you took aspirin the evidence the risk from that would be higher than if you if you were getting the vaccine you know so you know you have to balance these things in context and, and certainly the risk and where are we with johnson and johnson then Johnson & Johnson is kind of in a similar group because it's, it's the same type of vaccine. It, it, it's basically a modified adenovirus. It's the same group as the AstraZeneca vaccine. And they think that that's provoking the same sort of immune response in younger people. So it's kind of in the same graph as AstraZeneca. So they're looking at the reason why that's happening. Pfizer and Moderna, they work differently. So they're in a different uh, category. They don't see but will you, would you think they will roll out the Johnson & Johnson? And I know there are other vaccines to follow, the Sputnik and the yeah. Novavax and things like that. But is Johnson Johnson's on hold, is it? Yeah. Yeah, I, yeah, it's on hold at the moment, but I, 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 I think it will. Yeah, I, I think that it will get approval, and it has a huge attraction in that it's a one-off dose. And you know, if you're trying to say vaccinate vulnerable groups or people who will be very hard to get a second time, that has a huge attraction. And just finally, then, what does efficacy mean when you look at Pfizer ninety-five percent efficacy, Johnson and Johnson sixty-six percent? What that means is in terms of its immune response and how, how many people get, actually get COVID. But what that doesn't tell you is we're not so much concerned about, well, we're concerned about people getting COVID, but we're really concerned about how many people have to be admitted to hospital who get really sick and who die. And that's where the AstraZeneca has been shown to be close to 99%. So, so the efficacy in terms of the number of people who get COVID, that's the rate. To put it in context, the flu is about 50 to 60% efficacy, the flu vaccine. Okay, but surely year. then with older people and those with underlying conditions, etc., the most vulnerable, they should get the most overall efficiency levels of, of vaccine, which to me would be Pfizer. Well, Not the, AstraZeneca. The, if you want to keep I mean, old people out of hospital. The main benefit of, of the vaccination is to keep people out of hospital and prevent them dying. And the AstraZeneca has been shown to be 99% effective at doing that. It's been shown to be really, really good at doing that. So that's why the logic of, of, of doing that. If we had Pfizer and you could give it to everyone and, you know, we had 10 million doses, they may, would they go with that? They, they, they might. And who's to say, Neil, that, I mean, Pfizer's, you know, top of the range. No, who's to say in six months' time, Suddenly we're finding something with one of the other vaccines. We don't know is the honest answer. We're just working on the best available data at the time. And at the currently at the time, it makes sense to use all the vaccines that we have and looking at the risk and looking at the risk factors. And certainly I would recommend people to register and to, to go with whatever vaccines available, to be okay, honest with okay, you. Okay, okay. Thanks, John, for stepping out. You're okay. a star. Appreciate it. Dr. John Sheehan. Can I just uh, re- recap again? When you look at the amount of doses, on the, uh, this is just... I mean, I don't mean to blind you with numbers, but I think it's it's, it's just 
totaling it up, the amount of Pfizer vaccines that will arrive in this country between April, May and June will be 2.2 million because we got an extra half a million. So it brings the amount of Pfizer vaccines coming into this country this month, next month in June to 2.2 million. We will receive 383,000 uh, Modernas across April, May and June and we'll receive under a million AstraZeneca, 813,000. So the big amount when you look at the three of them, I think Johnson & Johnson, if and when it is available and they use it in jab, that'll be 606,000. So there's a lot on the way. That's all I'm saying. Back after the break. Talk to Neil Printerville now. 1851-04106. Red FM. Yes, indeed. Uh, regarding, this all started with a, a woman who's a GP, when she was sitting in with him, called her fat and said, uh, I don't want to send you into hospital. You're fat and people who are fat don't do well with COVID in hospitals. She was very annoyed that he used the word fat. Uh, others are saying that you need, you should be able to use the word, particularly if you want to let people know that they need to change, like a loved one. So somebody's asking the question, so then should it be allowed for kids to call other kids fat now as well? Uh, I'm thinking the doctor was a good doctor and read the situation and knew she needed to be told directly. And maybe it did upset her a bit, but it must hit home. Somebody else says, I, was one, I once asked a co-worker when she was due, as I thought she was pregnant. She was actually just overweight. Oh, the embarrassment of it. Um... Uh, never ask a question unless you know the answer, they say. <laughs> when my late wife was diagnosed with cancer, her doctor told her that she looked strong instead of being fat and the extra weight was a help for her, says Joe. One final one. After yesterday's piece on whether fat is a pejorative term, you choose a song with the words, a big fat, ma- a big fat mama trying to break me. You're a brave man. Keep up the good work, says Kieran. You picked up on a lyric there from the King's song. Uh, lazing on a sunny afternoon so thank you for that um, why aren't you know with the Dubai 2 being splashed all over the papers I've been talking about that a lot why aren't the people responsible for the nursing home scandals why aren't the people responsible for the cervical smear scandals splashed all over the papers I'll tell you why the media in this country is full of yes men and butt kissers the government tells the media what to do yet another one of those broad sweeping anti-media statements I mean Fair enough, you might say it about sections of the media, but I hope to God you're not including me in that. Somebody, somebody said yesterday, you'll never tell the truth regarding, regarding COVID because you got 70 grand from the government, which I clearly didn't. I know that there was um, payments made to all sections of society that had their uh, income absolutely slashed and media was amongst them. But I can tell you what, with regards to commercial media, as opposed to RTE, every, well, many of them, all of them had uh, revenue absolutely slashed because it's advertising we rely on to keep the lights on. And many within uh, the commercial sector took fairly hefty wage cuts. We took, we got wages slashed, I can tell you that. Didn't happen in RTE, but certainly haven't in the commercial sector. But that's for another day. Anyway, lines open at one 850 Text 0868-104-106. I'll come back to everything else, but I'm just keen to talk to Gerald here, Gerald Thornhill. Good morning. Good morning, Neil. How are you? And here we are again talking about uh, Cork Airport because um, the Irish Travel Agents Association have now come out and they are livid, my words, not them, that they would choose to close it um, in order to facilitate runway upgrades when there was like a 99% drop in traffic through Cork Airport for the past 12 months or so and they didn't do it then? Well, that's the biggest problem. Uh, we're coming to, to the end of, hopefully, this uh, COVID thing and there's light at the end of the tunnel. 
and hopefully we're locked down for the last 12 months and we're looking forward to maybe travelling later on in here. And what do the DEA do? Now, the DEA is called the Dublin Aviation Authority. They run Cork Airport and they close it for September, October and November. Yeah, just at the time when you could get flying again, yeah. Exactly. I mean, it's a ridiculous situation to be in. I mean, they would not close the Dublin airport for anything. They would not close the Dublin airport. They do all the work by night. But when it comes to Cork, it's like you say, I should close Cork, that doesn't matter. But my own opinion on this is the DEA are looking to downgrade uh, Cork Airport to a regional airport, and they've been doing it steadily for the last couple of years. I mean... It kind of is to an extent already when it doesn't have transatlantic, but then maybe we never will have the numbers for transatlantic, you know. Well, I mean, it, it, no, don't even worry about transatlantic. Yeah. Yeah, right now, it was the hub for the winter. You can't go to most of the capitals in Europe. You can't play with a cork. Uh, it's an interesting text on that, actually. Um, now, this is a story we broke first in February. We got Originally, we received a query from a listener about the closure, and then that's how this story broke originally. But it's an interesting text. says, can you please ask Ryanair Airport to comment on the story I heard yesterday that Ryanair told their staff that the airport is closing completely from August till October to resurface the runway. This was it way back in the day. Ryanair then planned to reopen Cork for the winter schedule. So we'll be coming out of lockdown and Cork Airport will decide to shut another nail in Cork's coffin. Um, I imagine that may have... that was the, That's what started this story when it broke with us last February. And it, I don't know who gave, sent this. This was an, an anonymous tip-off um, that the closure of the airport was then used by Ryanair to say, ah, we're out of there. Forget about it. It's a disastrous place. Well, unfortunately, this all stems from... Cork being run by the DAA. I mean, they have no interest in Cork. They have no interest in Cork Airport. I mean... Uh, Why I, wouldn't they have an interest in it? Why would they want it to fail? Because, I mean, if, they, if they, their interest is to run Cork, uh, Dublin Airport, they want as many flights out of Dublin Airport that they can get their hands on. And Cork is only there to take their leftovers and no other reason. They are, they're not called the Dublin Aviation Authority for no reason. They're doing it because they run Cork, uh, Dublin Airport. This all stemmed going back when we built the new airport. Nehal Martin said at the time, when they'd opened the airport, they would be debt-free and independent. And when they came to opening the airport, he reneged on his promise. Well, I know that he, I know we were told it would be debt-free. How, how, I mean, somebody always has to pay the piper, you know? Well, it, 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 the reason they weren't debt-free is because it cost so much. The Cork Airport was designed by a chap and they designed the exact same same footage in Portugal. It cost 28 million to build in Portugal and it cost their uh, car 112 million. And they said it just cost, cost too much, it can't be debt free. But I'm quite happy to take the debt once we're independent. I mean, if, if, you, if you're a businessman, you want to open a line into Ireland and you're thinking of going to Cork and you go to Dublin Airport, what's the first thing they're going to say? Oh, don't bother going to Cork, come to Dublin, we give you better rates. Does that happen? I don't know if it would happen, but I mean, it looks like the sensible things that they do. But it's a crazy, ridiculous thing you're suggesting to start doing this work when the country will be opening up. I put that point, they're not available to take a call this morning, but I put that point to Kevin Conlan back when we broke this story. And he said, um, Cork Airport, words to the effect that it, it, it all had to do with the tendering process that they had to go through. And that this, is the, this was the earliest time that they could get to do it. They couldn't do it any earlier. It was to do with tendering and rolling it out to tender. 
No, I think that's a lot of a lot, a lot of bull actually. Uh, they had two ways of doing it. They could close the airport for the ten weeks, or they could do it over a couple of months, doing it by night. Shut them there for the night when they afford to close. Could they anyway. have done it one? This might sound naive, but could it have been done one runway at a time? Well, it, it, the plan was to do it by night. Shut them there for that night from ten, uh, uh, nine o'clock at night until six o'clock in the morning and do it over time. But they decided to go over the ten week period because it saves money and no other reason. It is cheaper to do it that way than they should do it uh, over a couple of months. Okay, night. just to respond to this statement then from Cork Airport in the context of passenger numbers. Numbers are 99% down. We have one flight operating three days a week at present. Did you know that? There's only one flight operating three days a week at present. And they said they're availing of this opportunity to advance the critical long-term infrastructure program. But like by September... Yeah, well, they're saying that it's 99% down. But it wouldn't be 99% down in September, sure it wouldn't. Certainly not. No, no, we're we're expected to be able to go travel anywhere we can in, uh, in September. The government are telling us most of the vaccination will be done by then and there will be a, a passport. So, I mean, I expect Cork Airport to be flying, you uh, use the pun, in September. All right, okay. okay. I mean, it's a ridiculous situation. I mean, and the thing that gets me most is that we have elected representatives here in Cork. Not one of them has made a statement about Cork Airport. Not one. That's and true, actually. Yeah, that's Airport. true. I've never we- seen anybody freaking out about it. No, and on top of that, then, I know there is, I think there is two cockpits. You're right, actually. Could you imagine if they said, oh, sorry, we're closing Dublin Airport for September, <laughs> September October, and November? That's the point I'm making. I mean, Michal Martin is in the Doyle over 30 years. He's been a TD minister for many years. I know his T-shirt. And the man is useless to cock. What has he ever done? I mean, he should be the first person to step in there and say, sorry, you're not closing Cork Airport. It's staying open. This is not the I mean, time when people want to get flying again. Defer it. The runway will do for exactly. now, kind of thing. Exactly. I mean, I know there's two people from Cork on the DA board. I think one is one connected with Bartis. I mean, I searched the, the net last night looking for a statement from any member of the Cork board about the Cork Airport. And no one said nothing. Yeah. I, mean, um, I, I will have. I will be. I will talk with Cork Airport tomorrow. They just weren't available this morning. We did ask. They're always great to come on. Don't get me wrong. It's not as if they're hiding or anything. It, it'll be tomorrow as opposed to today. But just hold on there from, from Gerald to Pat. Pat, good morning. Do you want to jump in on this? Yeah, I do indeed. Neil, Cork do you hear Gerald there? Do you hear what he had to say? He's talking like a lay punter here, just like the, like the people of Cork would talk. But he's right, Neil, because Cork Airport is shutting down on the 13th of September and it reopens on the 2nd of December. All airlines have been contacted about that. So in my case, I had three flights, one in late September, two in October. Got on to Ryanair, no problem whatsoever. We can change your flights up to 14 days. I said, I can't. Because there's no flights. All right. Okay. Okay. So she okay. said you can get a refund. I said I don't want a refund. All right. Listen, and I understand that that is a significant issue for you in your life. But what about the whole concept of closing an airport when we're coming out and told, okay, you'll be staycationing maybe June, July, possibly August, mm-hmm. but certainly if you want a bit of sun, autumn sun, you will be able to fly in September. But oh, hold on a second, not out of car because it's closed. I mean, it, me, what about the logic sure? of that? I listened back to your podcast in February. You were the first radio show in Ireland to say Cork Airport is shutting down. Yeah, yeah, okay? Yeah. Now, here we are, right, at a situation where we've all been to hell and back with this COVID-19. And you have the uh, the minister, or whatever his name, Vradker, telling RT1 this morning, if you don't take the AstraZeneca, you'll go back in the queue. He's a doctor, Neil. Not much of a bedside manner there, is there? 
I tell you one thing, Neil, and the other fellow's worried about Twitter. The Minister for Health. <laughs> no, he's, like he's, Neil, wor- he's worried that his, about his name isn't being mentioned enough on Twitter. Neil, where is Stephen the fighting Donnelly. Irish going to? Yeah. Where are we? We fought about the metal carts of the elderly people. We fought about the water charges. These guys must be turning their graves by. Do you know why? And do you know why people are not fighting Neil? Because they're getting a puck payment. Because when you give people money, they shut their mouths up. Do you really believe that? Do you think that? Do, do you not I, think that I, there's I, an awful lot of people on pop who don't want to be on it? They want to work. They they could make an awful lot more money than their three hundred or three fifty. Okay, I, I, of course I do, Neil. I worked for thirty nine years with the SHB than the HSC, you know, and we were better off at regionals. I'd be honest with you, but you have muppets, and I'm going to call them muppets on your show, who go around and get all these. Uh, um, they're taking on ten new advisors in the Doyle again. I meant to say that to you as well. Ten new advisors at a cost of a hundred and sixty to two hundred thousand a year. Yeah, for yeah. new ad- like and some of them, and some of them will be and some of them will probably be family members. Watch this oh, space. Of course, we, as, anyway. as someone said in your show recently, Neil, the the head of the HSC was a shop steward. Then he was with Fungal County Council. I have no, I have no issue. I have no issue with any of that. I have no issue with I, anybody pulling themselves up by a buck by their bootstraps. Okay, we come, okay, we did. Get back to the airport. The Irish Travel Agents Association have said there will be pent-up demand for travel around September and October with many people looking to travel abroad for the first time since the beginning of this pandemic. And these works will unnecessarily de- delay all of that. Well, They've you already- can go to Shannon or Kerry, Neil. Yeah. Oh, what you can do with Ryanair, and they have admitted it, you can change your flight to a new destination. But why should we have to go to Kerry? Because, Neil, because somebody in Doyle Airden or somebody in the DA have decided right. we'll shut down Cork for three months. Okay. And what do we do about it? Ah, sure, we're in the middle of COVID. We'll be all right. That won't happen at all. It's happening. It's real. It's in our face. All right, Gerald, last word to you. Uh, what is, I for honest to believe that the DA long-term plan for Cork Airport is to downgrade it to a regional airport. I, just last night I checked exactly what I had to register for it. Hello? Yeah, you still there? It's still there. Uh, just last night I checked because I had flights in September and October as well, so I checked out the Dublin. Now, the, the best destination for, for anyone going to Spain is Malaga. There's five flights a week out of Cork to Malaga. There's seven a day out of Dublin. Yeah, but that's population difference, isn't it? It's not. I'm sorry, but it's not. I honestly believe that you would say seven, one flight a day out of Cork Airport, you'd fill it. But I think it's it's a deliberate ploy on the DEA to downgrade coffee. Okay, thank you, gentlemen. Much obliged. Thank you, Pat. Thank you, Gerald. I will have some more on this tomorrow. I promise you that. Just talking about people traveling. Uh, yesterday, Seamus was doing his Vox from down around Kinsale. And uh, in what part of the Vox, he spoke to a girl from Wexford. Uh, <laughs> I got a text saying, why did your reporter not ask the girl from Wexford what in the name of God she was doing in Kinsale? <laughs> so I, I did hear the Vox, but uh, Seamus said to me this morning, we came in, he said, the reason why there was a girl from Wexford in the Vox from Kinsale is that under current restrictions, weddings, weddings allow people with a maximum of six guests to travel. And uh, couples aren't included in this number. And uh, apparently the woman that he spoke to was in Kinsale because she got married in Kinsale alright and that was the reason for that so happy to clarify it oh keep 
squeaky clean and totally transparent here. The Neil Prendival Show on Cork's Red FM. Our phone lines remain open after midday. 1850 104 106. You betcha. Uh, by email to neil at uh, Oh, incidentally, power's gone on the north side. Uh, for those of you that haven't got power, you know about it already. I'm not quite sure when it'll be back or what's happened, but we're certainly checking it out, areas of the north side, without power this morning. Morning, Neil. In the last century alone, our generations of young people were asked to make huge sacrifices for their countries and to protect the vulnerable. They risked their lives and surrendered their youth to World War One, the War of Independence, World War Two, and many more civil rights causes. They also lived through the scourges of TB and polio. The present generation are asked to wear masks, stay at home to protect the vulnerable. Sorry, Neil, but I have little sympathy for the snowflake generation of today. As a collective, they are the most entitled generation of 20-somethings that society has ever produced. I wonder how the generations before them would rate their contribution to helping their country in its time of need, the 20-somethings. Again, I say this as a collective. No doubt many young are trying to adhere to current restrictions. Life will become normal again. They will party, they will meet, and they will socialise again. Many of the elderly and the vulnerable will not. They too endure the restrictions at the end of their days. Sadly, there is no future for some, no bright days to look forward to, as their time, you see, is literally running out. Restrictions were and still are hard on everyone, but our youth needs to toughen up a little and ask, how can they help, not bemoan what they are missing? And that by email to neil at uh, redfm.ie. And just one or two other issues then, just ahead of the break. We were talking recently about aspects um, of, uh, you know, people sharing the road with more and more people who were walking, more and more people who were running, more and more people who were cycling, and inevitably more and more electric scooters that will be on the roads when they are legalized, and they soon will be. Um, this had to do with uh, a couple of emails that I was receiving about Cork roads becoming unsafe because of cyclists in particular, electric scooter users thinking that they'd carte blanche on our roads and our footpaths. Uh, the point being here was that they should pay road tax and they should pay insurance like everybody else. And one email was saying that as a driver, I've had many near misses with bicycles. Um, I, I haven't, but I have, I, I have certainly seen on, uh, over the last couple of weeks uh, more evasive maneuvers being made, including by me, for people who are running in cycle lanes on the road uh, and and one or two brave souls I'm being kind think that it's okay to do so even when there's nobody on the footpath they still choose to run on the road main roads that is uh, so by text yes I agree they should pay road tax they should pay insurance whether it's a bike or a scooter 1 billion percent it's the vehicle owners paying tax to use the road in this country and the cyclists use it for free and they think they own the roads when a car gets close to them, oh my God, see the reaction. Pay tax if you want to use it like everybody else. There's no longer a road tax now. It's a carbon tax. It's a CO2 thing. And, you know, you're, you're charged on the basis of the amount of pollution you put into the atmosphere. And cyclists put in zero. And that's why they don't have to pay any kind of what we used to call motor tax. Tig says, why are we not doing road safety and driver education as a class from fifth year? Uh, sorry, from fifth class to fifth year road safety, driver education. I suppose you're not taught anything about the actual way to survive day-to-day in the real world at school, so I break the trend. Catherine says, we pay as motorists tax and insurance to be on the road. Why shouldn't they? But Megan says, I don't think tax and, tax and insurance would be suitable for them, but I think they should get a license. 
um, and do a course in how to use the road. I feel a lot of cyclists don't know the full rules of the road and it endangers them and drivers alike. Um, I think they may not know all of the rules of the road, but surely be to God Almighty, they know a red light when they see one. Cyclists who sail through red lights. I mean, come on. you got to give me that much at least. Back after the break. This is the Neil Prenderville Show. Tweet the show at Neil Red FM. 104 to 106 Red FM. Many cyclists are a joke. They obey no traffic lights when they see red. It means go. I agree that cyclists should be cycling on the roads. Fine. But in their defense, there's an awful lot of places without cycle lanes. And in the circumstance of a footpath being clear in spots where there's no cycle lane, I think they should be allowed to cycle on the footpath. (laughs) That would prevent cars from having to keep this stupid one and a half meter distance. When a car is to go one and a half meters outside a cyclist, it puts the majority of the car on the other side of the road. Try keeping one and a half meters apart in places like Kinsale. You need to be half, you be, need to be half a submarine. You'd be in the water. But cyclists pay no road tax, no insurance, and many of them don't follow the rules of the road. It's a disgrace. If a cyclist is hit nine times out of ten, the cyclist is right, which is wrong. Uh, they should not be allowed on the dual carriageways. The roads are the same speed as the motorway. And they are not allowed on that. It's for their own safety. Anyway, a point here being made that, again, that uh, fine, you're going to be a cyclist on the road. At least do everybody um, the favor and obey the traffic lights. If you didn't know it, red means stop, not go. They'll be saying stop to Mina in about three minutes time. So one fast call this side of midday. Lights are gone from Blackpool Shopping Centre. It's very dangerous um, with regards to people driving. So be aware of that. Power is gone on the north side. It's also affecting Uh, traffic lights apparently we're getting notifications telling us we'll be without power up to four o'clock today due to the fact that they're getting ready to install these meters in our homes why weren't we given a bit more notice we could have been warning people days in advance of this but anyway trisha good morning hello there final word to you in london where life has very much changed yeah oh yeah i can't wait for the weekend we went out on monday and it was it was baltic but we had to do it. Um, so I went out on Monday involving, involved uh, having a drink outdoors outside a pub, is it? Yeah, my, um, where we go, she, she um, her other half had built these igloo type things and they had a heater inside them and she'd been and bought all these fleecy blankets and rugs. Would and you be bothered like in an igloo I with a rug on you? It was just nice to be out, you know, um, in public, you know, around people, talking normal things, not COVID, you know. So, were you grasping a hot toddy or what? No, <laughs> no, 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 no. We had, um, I had, no, I had Stella. Stella, okay. Yeah. Pint Didn't of Stella. I? Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Was, was, nice. it, was it fabulous? Were you vaccinated and everything? Oh, yeah, we're all done. We got the first one in February, and then Good Friday, I think it was, we got the second one. So you're done? Yeah, done. Done, dusted, yeah. Had the COVID as well. You've been, have, you been, have you been shopping? Have you been logging around bag loads of gear from Primark and everything? Oh, God, no. No, not yet. Not yet. But you could if you wanted to. Oh, yeah. Yeah, you could, yeah. But, um, yeah, the weekend's meant to be lovely here, so um, it'd be quite nice to sit out at the weekend. Can you, go for a, can you go for a meal and everything? Oh, yeah. 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 Of course you can. Of course you can. Yeah, you can book anywhere that's got outdoor space. And I think, I think a lot of the premises, they've got, 
government grants or something to help them put up their igloos and gazebos. And, and do you need a whatnot. do you need a vaccine passport, or will that be when you want to go indoors? Is it? I don't know. I don't know. But you see, we can get the free um, testing kits that you can do at home. So you do your. Um, What's it called? You know, you yeah. you stick up your nose and down your throat. Yeah. And you do your own DIY one. The NHS sends them out. They give you seven of them. And when you run out of them... You God, you really are way ahead of the rest of us, aren't you? But it's just... It's, it was just so nice. I know it was Baltic, but it was just so lovely <laughs> to be out. It was just... It was wonderful. And, and they were going on about all the people crammed into Soho, but they'd all... The guy, the, someone from LBC was talking to them. I saw the photographs, were, actually. It yeah. looked mental. Yeah, but the, all these people around the tables, the report was going around, she said, they were going, we've done our tests. We did our home kit tests that yeah. we were told to do. Yeah. So, you know, we got to get out. You know. All right. Okay. I, have, and, uh, so you got you, it was Baltic cold, but you've warmed up since and are looking forward oh, yeah, to the weekend when you when you got a heat yeah. wave. Yeah, you've got a heat wave at the moment, I'm told, yeah? Oh, it's nice now. Yeah, it's t-shirt weather. So, uh, <laughs> Out of the way when you're depressed. Leave me alone. Go on. See you later. Saturday. Saturday will be lovely. Bye. All the best. Bye. I remember going to y'all. All five of us would go down to Dunkettle to catch the train with me mum and me dad. Off on the train, we'd go with our bags and our primers. All up to Clay Castle with tons of food. Someone of us would be sent to one of the big houses to get a kettle of boiled water. I'm sure they charged for that, actually. I mean, it wasn't a service that the houses in y'all gave, free boiled water. We spent long days in y'all and, uh, and all packed into the tea time train, burnt alive. Happy go lucky we were. Just two more on that. We went to y'all every Sunday on the train. I was born in 64, so we would have been going up until 1975 quite regularly. I'm 49 this year. I remember going down to y'all with my mam and friends for day trips. Happy days. Our bags of sandwiches and bottles of TK between us. That was the staple drink on the north side of the time. TK! Not at all. It's Tanora. What are you talking about? Our lines will stay open at one 104 106 Ran out of time, lads. We'll pick it up in the morning. Have a good day. I'll see you tomorrow. Thanks for listening to this Red FM podcast. Don't forget to subscribe and check out redextra.ie for more great Red FM content.